1: Some trouble. Something's
2: turning my spider sense off. Spider sense is tingling. I my spider sense. Spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider Man podcast where we dive into every Spider Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek.
0: And I'm Doug.
2: And is your spider sense tingling? It sure is. To listen to this show, find us on ForeEyedRadio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RevengeLover.com. And this episode is supported by our spectacular and up patron, Bo Harper. bo What up? If you follow us, you know our patrons play a walloping word snappers game where our patrons can submit words to us. Five words or less. Anything, basically. Like literally anything So it can be weird or awkward We have to work it in No matter what they are So We did not have any last week But I bring that up Because You should Become a patron of ours Five dollars and up And you can submit those words Make us say whatever you want We may have some words this time We may not We hmm. shall see So if you hear us saying Anything weird or out of character Might be uh, <laughs> Might be one of our words So yes. Play along if you want Or Submit some words hmm. Hmm. Well, also, if you have been following us, you know that we are still in the midst of Spectacular Spider-Man, which is an awesome show that oh, we love so good. a lot, so why don't we just jump right into it, because yes. honestly, I just want to talk about this, because every episode of Spectacular Spider-Man I think for us is going to be like three hours long so yes <laughs> we I am very
0: excited I even mess <laughs> I we Derek and I don't really text about the show prior to discussing because hashtag save it for the podcast am I right anyway I was so excited about these episodes while I was watching them that I messaged Derek and said I wish that you were here watching me watch these episodes because I was having so much fun and I was reacting and I live alone and was still like shouting things <laughs> like I wasn't yeah. like performing for an audience i just was like oh so like i'm excited yep, let's let's do this yep
2: yep yep. And if this is your first time listening or you just missed it the last couple times i've seen spectacular spider-man before doug has never seen it so yes
0: this is all a journey for me
2: big journey technically a spoiler free podcast at this point too so oh yeah um that will be fun which there's been some big spoilers in these two episodes so that's that's fun Woo. and we are going to talk about them mm-hmm. if you would mm-hmm. like to watch along with us either for a rewatch or if you're watching it for the first time spectacular Spider. Spider. Spider Man is available for free on SonyCrackle.com. So you can watch it right now just with some ads if you want. Yep. But you can also purchase it like digitally. And um, I think it's on most platforms digitally. And you can also buy it on multiple DVD and Blu ray sets. So plenty of access to the show. It is 100% worth it. We have had a couple people who have come back to us saying that they've watched it based on a recommendation from this podcast and loved it. So there you go. There's your testimonial.
0: Of the stuff that we have (laughs) talked about so far, This is by far the easiest one to go and watch, so you might as well follow along.
2: Yes, and it's also good, so, you know, you won't Mm -hmm. credit. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We've got two episodes we're discussing today. The first episode is Season 1, Episode 6 of Spectacular Spider-Man, the episode entitled The Invisible Hand. Um, This is the last episode in the Economics 101 arc. The synopsis per IMDb is, Otto Octavius creates the Rhino in order to occupy Spider-Man. Meanwhile, Aunt May arranges to introduce Peter to Mary Jane Watson.
0: Indeed. And this episode first aired on April 12th, 2008, and it was written by Matt Wayne and directed by Dave
2: Bullock. Mm-hmm. Probably recognize those names. They directed uh, at least one episode in the past. I want to say they directed like either Interactions or Natural Selection. I don't remember which, but we've talked to them in, um, in one of our previous episodes. or talk, Not to them. We've talked about them in one of our <laughs> previous episodes. We would love to talk to them if yeah, they want to come on. maybe someday we could
0: say that. Like, Uh, oh, yeah, you know, we talked to John DiMaggio a couple (laughs) weeks ago. So go back and listen to that. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that would be fun. But, uh, but no. We got in depth of them um, in, uh, I think, the episode before last um, on interactions and natural selection. Mm-hmm. But we do have lots of actor information on a very major character, not quite introduced, but sort of kind of introduced in this episode, but definitely spotlighted.
0: Um, I would say, if not introduced, certainly heavily featured and massively important, because even though we have seen and heard a lot from Mr. Alex O'Hearn, I... <laughs> <laughs> was totally blanking and was I was exercising so much self-restraint in <laughs> looking up the name because I was like, that name is ringing a bell. He's hanging out with Flint Marco. I know that he's significant and I cannot for the life of me figure out if I know who he's supposed to be, if I am supposed to remember where this is going or if I'm just going absolutely nuts. Speculating, but I did not see him uh, turning into the rhino. I just. Didn't so realize funny. that was going to happen. I don't know I was how I was so oblivious.
2: <laughs> I was wondering because I remember when we when we did like the earlier ones, like especially the yeah. first one, it was always like Marco and his friend. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like that other guy that I that who, who knows who he is. Like, well, it's really okay. funny.
0: So yeah, Flint Marco, that name I recognized immediately. Alex O'Hearn, for some reason, like it was just this thing that was like poking at my brain and I couldn't figure it out. Well, I mean, I didn't read a whole lot of ultimate spider-man and i don't know for certain but is that the first time they changed alexi to alex for the character that is the rhino
2: i think you might be right with that i think because i feel positive, like but that, that could
0: right. be why there's like sort of a little bit of nagging in my brain because i read a little bit of ultimate spider-man mm-hmm. and I, I guess that could be it
2: yeah and most of like the most recent like versions of him have always done like the Russian thing or had him by his yeah. full Russian name if they named him at all. So it makes sense.
0: Yeah. I just, I, um, when I think of alter egos or I guess egos, I don't know. For, uh, Rhino, like it's always just Alexi. So, I, but it's still, it's still so funny that his name is literally Alex. And I also know that they call Ned, like they changed Ned Leeds to Ned Lee. So I knew that they could change names slightly. Still mm-hmm. didn't see it coming. Still was just like, I turned on the episode and was like, "Oh shoot, no way!" <laughs> like it's funny, yeah. And it's I, like I'm I'm glad I had the experience I did with um shoot uh blah, 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 blah. I'm already I'm already forgetting uh who was it oh Montana um, <laughs> oh, yeah. because because I was really careful not to look at anything this time and it, and it paid off. <laughs>
2: Yep, you made up for the that experience of getting spoiled that time. So that's nice. Good, (laughs) good. (laughs) Getting spoiled on stuff that wasn't even supposed to be a surprise. I know, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: that weirdly balances out. (laughs) But uh, let's talk about the guy who actually voices him. Um, Rhino and Alex O'Hearn, both characters, because sometimes they switch actors based on alter egos, are portrayed by Clancy Brown. Um, Clancy Brown is the voice of Lex Luthor in a lot of stuff. Um, he was the voice of Lex Luthor in Superman the animated series uh, the 90s Superman show um, if you're not sure which one that is Um, but then continued to to play Lex in a number of series and movies and even video games since so 2002's Justice League uh, Justice League Unlimited which I know we've brought up a bunch of times 2004's The Batman um, which will be significant given some other actors we'll talk about and the Lego Batman video game and film franchise so sort of um, one of those one of those guys who's been able to take a character and continue playing that character which i always find really cool he's not the only lex Luthor, but he is definitely um consistently a lex Luthor.
2: yeah he's done a ton of other stuff too uh with his he's got he's one of those guys with like just a beautiful voice that i would love to just read me stories (laughs) two spoilers
0: (laughs) every single actor we're going to talk about today has a massive resume and uh if you're if you are anything like me many voice crushes along the way (laughs) oh boy oh boy oh boy Uh, this show must have a casting director that uh lives inside of our brains
2: (laughs) yeah i could see that (laughs) (laughs) um other roles that uh that that mr brown has played is uh mr krabs in spongebob squarepants neocortex in crash bandicoot razar in 2012's teenage mutant ninja turtles red hulk and hulk in the agents of smash savage opress in star wars the clone wars smokestack on stretch armstrong and the flex fighters which we know victor cook works on now mm-hmm. and just you know like every other pretty much every other actor in the series just like a billion other voice credits like no no surprise there he's in you know what use that voice man it's great yeah put it in everything that's it's, i'm fine with me, that yes yes <laughs> yep 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 <laughs> strong um, agree <laughs> he also pops up a lot of live action stuff too um he's he's, a, he's got a recognizable face as well
0: yeah i recognized him immediately by face i didn't mm-hmm. know his name so when i you know was looking stuff up i was like oh it's that guy
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> um he's been in live action in roles such as kurgan from highlander captain hadley and the shawshank redemption sergeant zim and starship troopers and brother justin crow in hbo's carnival um, which is a very good, weird, great show. Ugh, I've um, always
0: meant to watch that. And I've had it recommended it. so many times and I just have never gone and done it.
2: It is, it's weird as hell, but it—it it is totally worth it. It's a great description. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm into that.
0: It's a good way to recommend anything to me. Yeah. It's weird and worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's sort of the main person, character, whatever, introduced and focused on in this episode. There are a couple other characters introduced in this episode but they're more significant in the second one we'll talk about sure so we'll we'll get to them them later if you watched this episode and we're like uh excuse me you're skipping so-and-so right don't worry (laughs) we'll get there
2: (laughs) cool cool well for the episode itself so stuff just happens pretty quickly in this one it just kind of hits the ground Mm -hmm. running so real (laughs) yeah it opens right underneath the ltl body shop which We had some questions about before um, Mm -hmm. that are answered here. So yes. it's made very clear that this, this is the main big man's layer, or at least like where the big man's experiments happen where Otto and uh, Norman Osborn are having their experiments. So uh, Dr. Otto Octavius is prepping Alex O'Hearn for the results of this procedure that he's readying. That it's, it's, it's not that kind of suit when Alex is, um, is asking about it and that he won't be able to remove whatever this not that kind of suit is. But instead it's going to serve as an impenetrable titanium resin armor so once again octavius is hesitant just like he was with sandman but o'hearn's just concerned about being tough so he's not (laughs) really uh doesn't have a lot of depth to him in this case Uh, but uh but yeah so unlike the sandman procedure no extreme horrible body horror happens, and no. Rhino just it, it works, and there's Rhino. He's born. Yeah, yeah. This
0: actually goes sort of according to plan. I mean, we'll we'll see later that the plan wasn't great, but what they planned for is what they got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're getting yeah. closer and closer to sort of figuring out what these, I guess, super soldiers in a way, because Osborn sort of. Wants an army, I guess. But they're sort of figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. They're, they're getting closer and closer. It's weird that Rhino is sort of the first of their successful <laughs> experiments. Of all things. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> what did you think of the way that they created it? Like the, the actual I, process
2: that we saw? It's I, sort of strange. I mean... Yeah, they just like dump a bunch of liquid on him, which I guess is the res titanium resin. Yeah, which, uh, sure, I guess that's a thing, and it shapes into like a very nicely built rhino costume. Like, yeah. I don't really understand how that works, but okay. Like, was he it's... ever in like a mold or anything?
0: So, it okay, it kind of looked like there was a mold at one point because when they first pour it. It pours into the shape of a of an anthropomorphic being, you know, like mm-hmm. a humanoid shape. Mm-hmm. So I like looked for it the second time I watched it. So there's some sort of mold, but then the whole tube fills up. So I'm not really <laughs> I'm not really sure how it works. <laughs> yeah. But it's a cool design. Um, his horn is enormous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my God. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like huge. <laughs> But I think it's a it's a pretty cool design. It uh it it definitely isn't like the '90s show where it's like literally a naked body. Yeah, your mileage may vary on on that aesthetic. (laughs) Um, But I do think it's a very cool, very cool design.
2: Yeah, I like it a lot too. I I do like it a lot. I like uh yeah, I dig it.
0: It's a good in between as far as like is it a is it a sort of like, almost fleshy suit, or is it an armor suit? You know, it doesn't right. it doesn't fall too close in either direction. It's, it's not Paul Giamatti's, like, tank suit, and mm-hmm. it's not the animated series, like, naked skin suit.
2: Right, yeah, because you can tell that it's, like, molded and close to his body, but it's not actually, like, sculpted onto right. every line and, like, <laughs> butt crack and everything. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I this whole sequence, I really, I like that, like... I I like the idea that even with Sandman being like a, a crazy overly powered like person that they created, mm-hmm. it's still a fluke. And it's, it's still treated almost like a failure, even though, because it was an accidental success Yeah, in Norman's eyes, at least like, I think that's a, I think it's kind of telling and especially like the way that he kind of, that he treats Otto throughout it for that. Like he still treats them. Like he's just this, this weirdo doctor who just keeps failing at everything, even though he created like a being made of sand that almost killed Spider-Man, you know? But still not enough for him.
0: I think he even describes him like the good doctor has his quirks, but this seems like it's going well or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, it's like, wow, it's like, he's actually okay.
2: succeeding at something. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I know, right? I will stand
0: for zero Otto Octavius slander.
2: Right. Well, Otto doesn't even like, he just, he just ignore he doesn't even respond to it at all. So, yeah. Which, you know, you could take a number of different ways. <laughs> this one wouldn't. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah yeah so i mean we get a little bit of commentary from osborne about you know we're gonna do this as many times as it takes to get it right doesn't matter how many thugs we go through doesn't matter how many doctors we go through kind of speaking to that treatment of otto and you know when when all turns out well osborne even says to hammerhead who by the way is present we didn't really mention that but um hammerhead is present he says your mr lincoln will be pleased and hammerhead's like whoa buddy hold up um we don't we don't call him by name um he says specific Ixnay, we don't ever use the L word in reference to this sudden Mister Lincoln character. Oh, I thought um,
2: he was referring to the the television series. The L word that makes a lot more sense now. Okay,
0: I thought we just don't say love in this this show, like we don't say kill. <laughs> not allowed to do that um <laughs> so well i'm glad that we could clear this all
2: up today <laughs> yeah yeah have, that's been bugging me f- f- for 10 years why do they just <laughs> randomly reference this like the show about lesbians I don't understand. <laughs> okay makes sense now
0: nah. uh hammerhead we need to sit down and talk uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so we get a little bit of this sort of teasing of, um, who's this Mr. Lincoln character? No one's really mentioned him before. So we'll put a pin in that uh, as we Hmm. travel through this episode.
2: Hmm. Have you been watching the opening credits yet or are you still like avoiding them? I,
0: for the first time, watched the opening credits intentionally for the next episode. So after I watched this one and then watched, you know, after I did all my notes and everything and after I made sure I knew what I was talking about, I was like, you know what? I've seen enough villains at this point that yeah. I think I probably could watch the opening. Um, and it was, a, it was a good move. I, uh, yeah. I, there's only one thing left in the opening that uh, I haven't seen, but it's the type of thing, like you said,
2: you knew it was early on, point. like it was going to happen. So <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I still don't know how it's going to happen. And actually these two episodes confuse it even further. So yeah, um, that's, that's nice.
2: Cool, cool. Yeah, I like it because these are good opening credits. I dig them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs>
0: the song gets stuck in my head. It's so funny. The first time yeah. I heard it, I was like, okay it's fine it's like a it's like a mid 2000s sort of like alternative rock (laughs) opening. who cares but now it definitely gets stuck in my head sure it happens every time every time i watch a new show i'm like this is fine and then a week later it's like i'm humming it at work
2: yeah it grows on you it definitely grows on you well after those beautiful opening credits we Mm -hmm. see spider-man stopping a trio of punks who are driving recklessly through downtown He tears off the hood of their car and, you know, webs up their engine. So he uh, webs up their car in an alley and then he swings off to the Daily Bugle. Yes.
0: Yes. It's a very quick sequence. And um, you might think, why why in the world would we even see this? Well, it will matter later. So Mm -hmm. just keep in mind that he stopped these three punks. (laughs) Uh Uh we do another quick cut um and this one is to gwen and eddie at empire state university it's just the two of them no peter no doctors or anything like that um and eddie asks gwen about the fall formal that he knows is is coming up for them gwen says she doesn't have a date because basically because peter's not going and eddie says you know what i'll take you i'll even dance And I ship it. I ship it, okay?
2: Uh, Yeah, that's fair.
0: That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I didn't know I did until now.
2: (laughs) Look, she deserves someone better than Flighty Peter, let's be real, at at this point in Peter's life. (laughs) Yes. Let the two pure, beautiful, wonderful
0: (laughs) side characters, let them be happy with each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They won't be because I know something's going to happen, but just <laughs> let it happen for now.
2: <laughs> There's no precedent for either of them for any bad things to ever happen to oh, either yeah. of them based on what we've ever yeah. seen.
0: Yeah. Oh God. He'll so many fine. possibilities just went through my head. <laughs> <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs>
2: <sighs> oh boy. Uh, well, after that, uh, we see Peter at the daily bugle. He is still persistent in asking Betty Brant to the formal oh, God. He even says, if you say yes, I promise to stop asking. Um, gross and after receiving after it even gets worse after receiving and i'll think about it and she betty even clarifies it's just a maybe peter is running off celebrating and literally says verbatim woohoo i'm wearing her down
1: Uh,
0: i said a lot (laughs) about this in the last time we spoke um so i won't beat the drum too hard this time but I couldn't believe that the the literal line I'm wearing her down was in there because no. if you ever watched Family Matters, like one of the things that has aged the most poorly in my opinion <laughs> is the Steve Urkel I'm wearing you down baby I'm wearing you yep. down. Yep. And this is just an echo of that. And I was like, "No,
2: Peter, yep. be better." Yep. At least he doesn't get get married to Betty <laughs> like yeah, it, it, yeah. unlike unlike Urkel and Laura. So <laughs> yeah, for real,
0: <sighs> I will say though, like it is th- now that I've seen enough of this show to sort of have a better understanding of like who this Peter is. There are some consistencies in the fact that he is treated sort of like a like hormonal teenage boy, and so at least when he's doing these types of things, it's in character. Yes. And we do, I think, I think having seen these two episodes now, I think the show does do a decent job of clarifying how we are supposed to feel about the way that Peter acts. I think sometimes explicitly, and I think there are some things a bit more implicit that you w- might like write a college paper about and draw the conclusion. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's safe to say like ha- being the person who hasn't watched any of this yet and doesn't know where it's going. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more comfortable, not with his behavior, but with the choices to give him that behavior, if that makes sure. sense.
2: No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Because I, I noticed during this watch specifically, now that we're really looking looking kind of deep into some of these actions that he has that are kind yeah. of cringy. And I still, I mean, I see a lot of myself from when I was 16, especially the way that he treats his friends sometimes, yeah. that really just kind of boil down to his own kind of obliviousness and mm-hmm. and just, you know, that lack of common sense that you just don't have, or, or social, social sense um, that you don't have growing up. So I think it's, it's really telling that he's um, written so authentically as a teenage boy because teenagers are not often written very authentically on yeah. television. So I think props yeah. for for going in that direction with this because it's a pretty gutsy move.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is gutsy because it, it gives us a Peter that we aren't necessarily always like, uh, not, not necessarily even Peter, but like a protagonist um, that we are typically rooting for. Uh, mm-hmm. We have one that sometimes we're like, ew, you're being gross. Stop. Yep. <laughs> I was yep. thinking about that a lot actually in these two these two episodes the fact that Peter isn't always very likable and um yeah. in this case with Spectacular Spider-Man on purpose because I do think in the comic book like the early comics and I do think with the 90s show it's not always intentional he's like accidentally unlikable and that's a <laughs> bit more egregious in this case yeah. I at least have confidence that it's being portrayed that way with purpose so yes. that is that is nice Yes,
2: and we know we see we we have seen him have negative consequences to his actions too. Yes. So we know that he has to be learning from these things, or at least getting some kind of comeuppance for for the way that he treats people sometimes. Yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. Yeah.
2: Well, during this this awful exchange, um, <laughs> before Peter <laughs> proclaims that he's wearing he's wearing this twenty year old down, Jameson mm-hmm. interrupts Peter to tell him to one stop harassing Betty. Thanks, Which, JJ. Which,
0: by the way, what <laughs> an ally! I feel so comfortable. But with this company, (laughs) J. Jonah Jameson might yell a lot, but Mm -hmm. um, wow, if this is, you know, if this is the real true J. Jonah Jameson, gosh, I would work at the Bugle. What a guy.
2: He's awesome in this episode, actually. He's like, <laughs> he is is. like the best DJ that we've seen.
0: Like, I'm presenting this in a humorous way, but like, actually, that is pretty fantastic to see a boss tell somebody like, leave my employee alone. You're being yeah. a creep.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And he's not even, he's not even doing it to be like, I'm taking a stand. It's just like, he has the power to stop yeah. it. Yeah. He stops it. Yeah. Good job. <laughs>
0: Good job, Jonah. I'm a fan.
2: <laughs> yeah. In addition to that, he also has a little bit of an ulterior motive for for interrupting this um, this, uh, this this situation because um, he does want Peter to get photos worthy of the front page. Mm-hmm. I think this is the point where he showed him the ones of the uh, the guys that he webbed up and and says that they're crap basically, but he's still going to sell them. You know, he, well, he's still sure. going to take them and print them, but he wants better. Of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: Peter still hasn't quite, uh, I guess, like, mastered the art of the front page photo in Jonah's eyes.
2: (laughs) Right. He is only 16, I mean. Of course. Yes. He
0: still has his old camera, too.
2: Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, continuity. So he wouldn't be really getting great photos yet.
0: Gosh, this show is actually stupid good at continuity. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I, I hate that I I don't hate that I'm praising it so much. I hate that I can't praise other shows for doing continuity as well as this one right. does.
2: Because <laughs> it's like, what are you guys doing in your room <laughs> that is making you so superior to like yeah. almost every single other show out oh there, at least in terms of your continuity? <laughs> it's incredible. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> additionally, um, this is I did not notice this, so I'm glad you did because it's it's interesting to me. I'm curious to. Well, now to, I'm looking. Research, yeah, but because J.J. also yells at an employee named Benny over a sandwich. It's like, corned beef, not pastrami. Like, you want to give me gas or whatever, which mm-hmm. is funny because those are very similar meats. But, <laughs> yeah, so every named character is based on a character on this show. Like, they've said that multiple times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, Benny could be Ben Urich. I don't know, actually. I never yeah. uh, came upon that.
0: Well, I, I it's, uh, it's so sticky when I notice something like that because mm-hmm. I have to do sort of like an – Like research out of the corner of my eyes, you know, just to see that I'm not making up the fact that there was a Ben that worked at the Daily Bugle. But Mm -hmm. then Spectacular Spider-Man is actually such a well documented and well sort of like recorded show on the Internet that any character that exists in spectacular spider-man it's spectacular spider-man wiki page is within the first five results so i have to be so careful oh god well maybe i should do the looking (laughs) (laughs) no that's i mean i i'm a i would like to say i'm a pro uh uh, not spoiling myself on things minus our last episode where i stupidly walked into our notes before (laughs) watching anything but normally i'm actually pretty good at it so i don't actually know either if this is ben urich um i i didn't look far enough to know i just looked to see if my hunch that a ben worked at the bugle was correct
2: yeah yeah that could definitely be possible maybe it's ben riley oh no peter already has a clone working at the daily bugle (laughs) yeah i don't know i'm i'm cool with that headcanon if if no one if we never find that anyone's ever said otherwise yeah there's no reason he he can't be
0: (laughs) yeah why not Well, um, later that evening, uh, we see Peter celebrating with Aunt May over a number of things. He gives her money for the bills because he sold some photos. He's sharing with her that he has a date for the formal. Generally, he's just in a great mood. Aunt May ends up bringing up, like, I don't, I guess it doesn't, it's not, Unreasonable that these are the things that she would be thinking of, but it's definitely sort of a buzzkill. She starts bringing up like all the things that you have to pay for when it comes to a dance (laughs) and trying to think of like ways to not spend as much money because she's a smart lady, but this sort of like bums Peter out, of course. (laughs) Right. Because he's just like stoked that he thinks he has a date, but he does actually mention like, oh man, like I can't afford a card service. Like I can't, what does he say? Like I can't have Betty take the bus or something like that. Yeah. To which, Aunt May is like, wait a second. Hold up. Who's Betty? (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Yep. yep seems like an insignificant slip but peter nothing nothing gets past aunt may
2: (laughs) yeah yeah, actually (laughs) she's uh she's very astute Mm -hmm. which is why it's not even like a second later we immediately cut to the next day where aunt may is now at the daily bugle and speaking with betty brant asking her to uh, have a cup of coffee with her (laughs) yes and i
0: actually really love that they don't like, they immediately show her going to talk to Betty, but they do not tell us what about.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I yeah. really dig that choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have to wait a little bit to figure out what the heck's going on there.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before we can find out, we cut very quickly to Peter and Harry having lunch at school. Um, Harry excitedly shares that he's actually going to go to the, the formal with Glory Grant.
0: Wow. Yeah.
2: So they really hit it off.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And um, Peter shares that he is almost certainly going with Betty, and remarks that how they're two, their girls is how he refers them. Yeah. Their girls, uh, their names rhyme because Glory Grant, Betty Brandt. So mm-hmm. that's fun. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just really like that every time Peter says he has a date, he, there's some part of his brain that gets it. <laughs> yeah, because he's like almost oh, certainly, definitely, right, maybe right. for sure. Right, like, Peter. Trust that part of your brain. Yeah, like <laughs> it's telling sorry, you something. But.
2: Sorry, bud. Sorry, bud.
0: <laughs> <sighs> well, in any case, Flash does overhear this. Flash, by the way, supersonic hearing, overhearing Again. everything all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Flash overhears this and actually questions that Peter could possibly have a date. There's no way Puny Parker found a date. Um, And so Peter naturally gets defensive about this (laughs) and is like, well, actually, uh, my date's 20 years old and she's hot. So, you know, you wouldn't know her, Flash. (laughs)
2: Like I don't She know lives where in he's... Canada yeah, and goes know, to another right? school and she's like, and her dad's like the president of Nintendo. <laughs> That's like, exactly she's how it
0: came across. I know, right? <laughs> and so it's totally not unreasonable to sort of understand where Flash is coming from because you have this kid who's like sort of a social outcast being like, oh, I have a girlfriend. Nuh-uh, I have a date. And like, uh, she's like totally hot. So Flash, even though he's a jerk, is definitely where I would be, where I'm like, yeah, okay, Peter, sure, whatever. Right. Like, you're just – you're not even the fact that you say you have a date, but just the way you're talking about your date.
2: <laughs> right.
0: So Flash says, like, there's no way, absolutely not, and I'll actually bet that you show up with nobody. And so naturally, Peter, believing that he has a date, is like, I'll totally take that bet, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, no big Mm -hmm. deal, Flash. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who actually prompts them to bet on something. It might have just been one of the two of them. But the loser of the bet has to dress as a cheerleader for Halloween.
2: I just want to point out they never specifically say female cheerleader. So they're yeah. every joke that they that they make is like, oh, you're gonna have to wear a skirt, blah blah. Oh, it's gonna be so embarrassing. You could just get a male cheerleader outfit and not <laughs> <laughs> be a big deal. So <laughs> yeah, that's actually
0: true. Flash, you've you've got the bod for it. You'd be a, a killer cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, problem is you're on the football team, so I guess that wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's that's very very true. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Didn't even think of that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that kind of bothered. me (laughs) like just specify you should specify yeah okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) well how humiliating that will be for one of the two of them surely (laughs) sure
2: Uh, well, during this uh, little altercation, Peter receives a text message from Betty. Of course, he's like, oh, yeah, this is this is my proof. My my 20 year old hot girlfriend just texted me <laughs> and I can show it to everyone. Yeah. But but Flash overreads the message, um, which apparently just just says having coffee with Aunt May. So, which, by
0: the way, is like not a ridiculous text message to get from no. someone that you are calling your girlfriend.
2: <laughs> right. Right. I don't know why that's
0: so weird.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Peter's like freaking out. Flash is like, "Oh, that must mean that your twenty-year-old girlfriend is actually a sixty-year-old girlfriend." Like, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're just making fun of them, finding every reason to make fun. Yeah, of yeah, them. yeah, yeah. I yeah. definitely
0: get what they were saying, but like, I just want to be like, "All right, teenage boys, let's sit down for just a moment and realize <laughs> that this isn't that big a deal."
2: <laughs> yeah yeah peter is literally so concerned that he like ditches school yeah he over.
0: literally runs away from school
2: like what would i mean if if what happens later in the episode didn't happen wouldn't aunt may be concerned that peter just is at the daily bugle in the middle of a school day right now like and how did he get over there so fast like there i mean be a she's lot of sharp
0: i'm surprised she doesn't mention it anyway
2: <laughs> that's true that's true yeah
0: if this were a uh, 90s Aunt May, who maybe not as sharp, but far more concerned uh, all the time, <laughs> yeah. she definitely would have been like, why aren't you in school? This wouldn't have happened if you were in school. Oh, also, you're not wearing a sweater.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's so cold outside, Peter. You're going to catch the flu. Oh, you're exactly. so dirty. Take a bath.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, This Aunt May is so much better than that Aunt May. Sorry, Gosh. everybody mm-hmm. yeah. who loves that Aunt May and uh. that Aunt May. <laughs> I feel like I'm disrespecting, like, the spirit of Aunt May by comparing them, but it's no. true, and everybody knows it.
2: Yep, yep, there's no contest here. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well before peter can make it over there rhino arrives at the bugle first there's a very 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 adorable scene where he is in the elevator um with who we later who is later identified as frederick foswell one of the reporters mm-hmm. of the bugle and he, he's he asks um, he asks foswell to push the buttons for the <laughs> elevator because he says these pointing like referring to his fingers he's like these don't work so good on the little buttons which is the cutest thing i have ever seen in my life
0: (laughs) it's even better though when foswell's like uh 22 is already pushed (laughs) (laughs) like rhino couldn't even figure out which button (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i love that that was so good and i just like the elevator in general it's it's a good detail the fact that they're in a high rise and he would have i mean he can't climb the side of the building now can he
1: right
2: right
0: <laughs> so i love that detail it's so funny yeah, yeah. what is it with elevator humor it's like always funny
2: because it's always awkward there's yeah. no way because elevators are never not awkward
0: can we change that i don't understand why like why can't why am i like totally weird if i say hi to someone in an elevator i don't get it.
2: Huh. huh right actually yeah. i don't really understand why it's a I short guess...
0: trip it's not like i'm on a bus and you're held hostage like That's true we're gonna be in the elevator for like 10 seconds max
2: <laughs> I guess it's like cuz you're immediately in a confined space with with strangers usually yeah. and And I feel like there's always that underlying fear of death happening because you always (laughs) are afraid that the elevator is going to get stuck or fall or whatever. Oh, I thought you meant like
0: murder. Like there's just an always underlying fear that like you're going to be murdered.
2: I (laughs) guess that too. It's just like either way, it's always that little fear of like I could die with a stranger right now, like in this close proximity with this person I've never met before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know.
0: Anyway, they have a polite enough exchange.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What a a good example. Yeah, we should all follow Rhino and Frederick Boswell's example. Exactly. That classic example. Great role models.
0: (laughs) Really good role models. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I I actually like the way this is crafted. The show does a really good job of of intersecting stories. Mm -hmm. So Rhino does, in fact, make it up to the floor that he's going to, despite his, his big sausage fingers um and (laughs) ends up sort of rampaging through the office and shouting that he is looking for Peter Parker um which is a curious thing to hear from this large monstrous (laughs) dude throwing desks around so Jameson naturally is like well first he says who are you and then he says what are you and then he says what do you want you know Um, (laughs) like what is it that you want with Peter Parker so Rhino basically says um what you know, something that makes a lot of sense for all of these villains. Peter has some sort of relationship, surely, to Spider-Man because he's the one that always takes the pictures. If I can find Peter, then I can find Spider-Man. You know, pretty normal stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, Understand. Makes
0: sense. And actually, I think, is he the first person to actually do that in this series so far? In this
2: in this series? Because really, Peter hasn't been taking photos of Spider-Man for very long. He didn't even yeah. really start doing it until just like a couple episodes ago, like r- regularly. So... Huh.
0: It's funny that Rhino, who is tor- is normally portrayed as like a dimwit, is the first person <laughs> to sort of be like, I guess I can find Peter and then he can lead me to Spider-Man.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like like it's so obvious that it takes like a dumb person to like just be like, yeah. huh, I oh, see yeah. these two names close together. Let's go <laughs> to him.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, the simplest solution, you know? <laughs> huh. Wow, good yeah. job. I almost said Alexi. See, I have such a mm. strong association. Good job, Alex.
2: Aw, <laughs> I like Alex. He's a sweetie. Yeah. Well, by by this point, while this is going on, Peter has like arrived to the Daily Bugle. He goes, to, swings into a closet. He de-suits. There's like a nice little like fake out where he's like, "Oh no, I hope I'm here in time to mm-hmm. stop Aunt May from talking to Betty Brandt because he's not aware <laughs> of the whole." rhino situation yeah but he will be very soon because as soon as he peeks out of the closet um he sees rhino like confronting jameson Mm -hmm. and like basically um holding up jameson and, and trying to get him to give up peter jameson like notices peter in the closet yeah Signals for him to leave like very covertly while also just straight up lying, saying that um, actually it's really similar to the first Spider-Man movie with uh, Green Goblin and Jameson, where Mm -hmm. he basically is just like, I've never seen the guy. He just like emails all of them and I send him the check. I've never I have no idea who he actually is or where he is. Again, Jameson's really awesome in this episode. Yes, Stand up dude. Yes.
0: Yeah. We, you know, our our stance here at Walloping Web Snappers is that the best Jonah is the one that might be sort of a, a dick to Peter, but is very protective of Peter. Like we like mm-hmm. that. And I now see that this could be one of those Jonas. And I'm yeah. very excited about that.
2: Yeah, it's great. It's a great moment for him. Mm-hmm. Aunt May notices it. I think yes, a, she does. I think she's a little turt about it. <laughs> She's into it. She's into it. Yeah. But I, I love she she's like she's this, this me is so interesting because she is not oblivious. Like, no, she's very astute. But still, despite that, she I think it's just maybe because she's very determined mm-hmm. and maybe even a little bit stubborn. So despite all this going on around her, like as she's hiding, like under a desk beneath rubble with <laughs> Betty from like this monster that's threatening to murder everyone and, yep. and including her nephew. She's just like. Hey Betty, I think you're too old to go to the dance with Peter. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think you I think you nailed it. Like the Amazing Friends May is just oblivious. Like she does ridiculous things because she's oblivious. This one, she does ridiculous things because she's stubborn and determined and very direct and really not afraid. Like she's only under that desk because Betty pulled her under that desk. When Rhino came in shouting for Peter, she's like, well, what does he want with Peter? I'm going to go find out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think I, (laughs) it's, it's kind of a funny combination of things. Mhm where she still has that sort of Aunt May. She has the potential to do some of the ridiculous things we might associate with an Aunt May, but it's not out of carelessness or 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 silliness
2: or like dementia. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. They don't it's it's funny. They give her absurd choices agency like she has agency over the ridiculous thing she does instead of just making her a total wackadoo
2: yeah that's so true that's so true I Take <laughs> it. and and i love like all of her motivations it, you know it makes sense actually because she's not like a strong independent woman kind of character but she is still a very she's still a strong character yeah in a way that makes sense if you know she lost her husband and is sort of like raising her nephew that she like you know not her not her birth son someone that she had to adopt right on her own, on a very tight budget, you know, like, it makes sense that she's going to kind of have some of these qualities and not just be, like, a flighty old lady, you know?
0: Yeah, for real. Like, if I don't like the way this is going, I'm going to be the one who has to do something about it. If I want right. answers, I'm going to have to go find them. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's sort of how I'm seeing her thus far, right? Like, yeah. Like, she has a particular, she has particular goals for Peter, and she's the one who needs to assert them. She has specific things she wants to get done. She has to do them herself. Um, and I, I like that. You're right. It's not sort of this stereotypical strong, independent woman thing, even though she is that she's yeah. more nuanced and she's more multidimensional than I think sometimes people will give sort of mm-hmm. stronger willed women characters.
2: Yeah. And I think she kind of compliments the Uncle Ben like general on a pedestal, like responsibility, like you have responsibility, be a good person where I feel like she's that same message, but like distilled and more practical. Yeah. Like th- what responsibility means is you have yeah. to do this and this and this. You have to you have to like make sure that this happens, <laughs> and I'm gonna make damn well sure that it happens. Yeah, because <laughs> I
0: I can rely on me, you know. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, no, yeah, I I, I like her. I I'm glad that we're getting to see more of her through these these few episodes. Yeah. It's funny that we're getting it through the arc of Peter needs a date because <laughs> if you had told me that like oh yeah we're gonna see a lot more may because she's trying to get peter a date i'd be like oh god but it's actually working out really well i'm really enjoying it
2: yes yes because she's intervening when it when she needs to because mm-hmm. she needed to intervene in this situation because peter was maybe getting involved in a sticky situation potentially so yep yeah yeah and also just minor note i like that she even like the, her tangent that she goes on, like the way that she, or the way that she segues into talking to Betty, is like by noticing, like, "Oh, Peter's surrounded by such protective and supportive coworkers." I love it. Like, I just mm-hmm. love like just throwing that out there. Her mind is always centered on Peter's well being, essentially. But yeah. again, not in an annoying doting way, in like a practical
0: way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> in a way that you you can tell she doesn't solely think about Peter. Like, she's not at home. Right torn up about, about him. it because <laughs> yeah. he happens yeah. to be at school or whatever.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Well, like you mentioned, Jameson sort of gives Peter that like, get out of here kid type thing. Um, so that, you know, gives Peter time to suit up. He ends up swinging around the building, which is again, a really smart detail. The show is so good about the details. He swings around to the other side of the building, comes in through a different window. And this is where Spider-Man and Rhino begin to actually
2: <laughs> fight each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fight is a, the whole episode, basically. Pretty yeah, much, this
0: is pretty much the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, is is this fighting? Um, but I actually I do like this episode, sort of because even though half of it is just action, it's it's mm-hmm. pretty smart action. Um, True. And the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this is really going on for a while. Mm-hmm. But then when I started to to break it down into its different like stages of action i actually really really dig it because it yeah. is a little bit messy not again it's so funny like they that, that i have to clarify this like probably i probably don't have to clarify this but i feel like i do <laughs> the this the fight is messy but the episode is tight you know what i mean yes so yes so i guess let's like dive into the different stages of this fight <laughs> sure <laughs> So the first sort of stage is like the Peter doesn't know Rhino stage. So it's like, you know, anytime you fight a villain for the first time, you kind of got to figure them out. And it's all just sort of in the office and they're, you know, just really wreaking havoc. And Peter's like, well, I got to I gotta stop this guy. Uh, and so he tries a bunch of stuff, none of which works. So then his solution is like, okay, well, in that case, I guess I can try to knock him out using my surroundings, right? Like it's a smart solution. So he tries mm-hmm. to do this sort of like, almost like matador type thing where he gets rhino to slam into a wall thinking like okay well this wall is going to be two feet of concrete like surely that will stop him well it does not so after totally wrecking the inside of the office he ends up smashing a hole in i believe jj's office (laughs) right out into the open plummeting to the ground (laughs) yes which is a really interesting moment too because you see all the state i had to like the first time i was watching it i wasn't paying enough attention which is shame on me because when i heard peter go oh no i was like wait a second what what went wrong so i went back and caught the two feet of concrete comment right and was like that's really clever to have him sort of Say what his plan is, have it go wrong, and then also have him be like, oh, like this realization of like, oh, God, I just like – I threw a guy 22 stories. Yeah. Like I I just threw a guy out a window essentially. Right. Right. Like I cannot (laughs) let this happen.
2: Which is funny because that's what I – that's the kind of thing that I wanted in both the Shocker and Sandman episode where he just like takes such extreme measures. Where it's like here – it's like, yeah, any normal person. It let you lucked out by not having killed a oh, guy just now. Yeah. yeah,
0: you're right. Like, I, um, they, they, it's so much better, so much better consideration, and uh, it's. I'm, I'm certain it's not because he did in fact kill those other two guys. <laughs> <laughs> just happens to be more considerate this time, I guess. I would also <laughs> like to point out because I won't point out every single instance of it, but over the course of these two episodes, Spider-Man, Slingshot. Many instances, many, many, many instances.
2: (laughs) This is a thing that he
0: does and he did not do it to shock her and I don't understand. (sighs) All right, I'm going to let it go. But uh, in this circumstance, yeah, so so Rhino is, like, plummeting to what, you know, Spider-Man thinks is his death, 22 stories down. Mm-hmm. And so he tries to catch him before he can hit the ground and actually fails in catching him. He, like, shoots his webs and the web tears. And uh, he's just like, oh, shoot. Like, I just, I just killed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but Rhino's Oopsie. like,
0: yeah, Rhino's like a meteor. He actually does more damage to the ground than the ground does to him. So right. it's all good. You're off the hook this time, Peter.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. So this is so the the cops also show up, um, we should say, after he uh after um after he like lands and is just in this giant crater. And I think it's funny because the the lead detective guy that starts like that talks to him over the um loudspeaker. Is that I don't somebody? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to spoil it if you didn't okay. catch who he was well, like, in the credits or anything.
0: I didn't. Yeah, I didn't look at the credits and I didn't specifically look it up. I mean, I have I have suspicions, of course. Sure.
2: Either way, the reason that I'm pointing it out, um, other than that being the introduction of a character, but yeah. he is voiced by Clancy Brown as well. So oh. it's funny that he's literally just talking to himself.
0: Oh, that is hilarious.
2: Even though he has a pretty distinct cadence, I don't think you really tell in that moment because it's very brief. And his rhino voice is like so much like more gravelly, whereas the the detective's voice is pretty like just I think it's just his normal voice pretty much.
0: Yeah, I didn't suspect it at all. Yeah. There was no like nothing really went off in my brain that was like, wait a second, who's talking right now?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that was—I thought those were pretty funny, especially considering that was the first appearance of that character. So, oh,
0: that's so funny. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know,
0: okay, so I was thinking about this. I don't think there's any reason I can't sort of like share my theories along the way. Yeah, please you know, like, do. Like I'm fine being wrong. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that, that, that character, because they were sort of featured, like, I don't think we have met Gwen's dad yet. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sort of assuming that if that's an important character, that's probably Gwen's dad. I think she, I think she's mentioned that he's a cop.
1: Sure. So that's, I don't remember I, if that's she kind of not. where
0: I'm at. I, you know, like I wasn't sure that he was important at all. The only reason I suspected was because he kind of had a featured line that was funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Like they didn't just give it to like any old general sort of like beat cop.
2: Yeah. So that's. Or I, mean, I guess of the cops that's already
0: here. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So I'm. That's. I mean if I had to guess, I would say that's probably what detective Stacy Sergeant Stacy. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's had different, (laughs) different titles. Some,
2: some, some level of policeman Stacy. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. So we'll see. I mean,
0: that's, that's all I could really pull from that, but uh, it is a funny line. He like Rhino crashes into the ground. And this is sort of like stage two of this fight, right? First we were out or inside. Now we're outside. He says, lay down flat in your Crater. (laughs)
2: i don't know why i thought that was so funny it's a good line reading
0: yeah it's like he's processing the information around him like as he's speaking
2: (laughs) yeah it's like how do i actually handle this situation uh (laughs) it's
0: technically underground so
2: can i tell him to
0: get down on the ground
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's funny (laughs) so I don't even remember where he left off before that point. I guess after after the police show up and Spider-Man does follow him down, but um, instead of like furthering any of his attempts to stop Rhino, Spidey tries to lead him through the streets, trying to get him away from people. And even then kind of says as much in his like um, internal monologue. Yeah. But like you know, you're in New York City. Like that's mm, kind of hard to do. And being in the streets doesn't really help matters very much. Yeah. He's trying, but all it does is just, you know, cause lots of auto accidents and trucks to flip and more explosions and torn up roads and stuff. So, yeah. God, I wouldn't want to, like, be any city workers to, after this day doing these repairs. Right. Everybody's going to be called? late for work.
0: What is, um, oh, man. What is that? Uh, shoot. What are they called? It's I just watched Homecoming, too. The, 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 the oh, company God. in Marvel that yeah. cleans things up.
2: <laughs> oh, shoot. Damage um,
0: control? Isn't it damage control? I, think
2: it, but isn't, I thought damage control was DC. Or is that DC's? That's Dang DC. It. It's the whatever the equivalent of it is. Yeah. Whoopsie. Uh, whoops. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, the first time I watched this episode, I was like, well, he's okay. So he's trying to get them away from danger. And I was like mad at first because I was like, you are literally creating more danger and you've probably killed people along the way. Like yeah. Rhino is flipping cars. That guy in the truck took a Rhino charge like straight on.
2: Yeah, definitely. So many people died. So <laughs> but, there's no way around it. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I think you know you you realize after the fact that like just because Peter or Spider Man is trying something doesn't mean that it has to succeed. And I think that's what this episode was getting at. Yeah, there there are a lot of things that that Peter and Spider Man try in this this episode that do not work forcing him into creative thinking situations and I think that is actually what we pull away from this so he does run through the street that is his plan it is the second thing he tries that doesn't work and he has to think even more creatively than he did the first two times
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so trying to think the things that they destroy number of cars a cargo truck um he throws spider-man through the side of a building which nearly drops rubble on civilians below wreaks havoc on an athletic store oh my gosh
0: that store is so screwed
2: man oh god
0: (laughs) not even the bowling balls were safe
2: (laughs) yeah he even like stomps on and smashes bowling balls it's crazy man
0: my gosh so many, what I would have thought were indestructible sporting items just destroyed. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. see, like, a pool ball get absolutely shattered later. <laughs>
2: Dude, yeah, that's right. Oh, oh my wow. Gosh. It's yep. crazy. Yep. Well, it totally wreaks havoc, but. The one key bit of information that Spider-Man gets in this in this like kind of claustrophobic battle in the store is that he s- senses that Rhino appears to be overheating, which if you watch the episode, you see kind of gradually there's more and more mm-hmm. sweat forming on his face. And he, I feel like he's like gradually a little bit slower and slower as the episode prolongs too, He starts like panting
0: and his he starts wheezing and his breathing yeah. gets heavier and heavier.
2: Yeah. They do that out of the gradual escalation of that really well, I feel like.
0: Yes, so much so that I didn't really understand when it was happening at first. Like I noticed he was sweaty and I remember in my head distinctly being like, "Wow, what an interesting choice to have him like visibly sweat on the show." And yeah. I just thought it was like a weird animation choice. Mm-hmm. And then when he kicked the fire hydrant, the first time I watched it, I just totally didn't understand. I was like why did he just kick that fire hydrant and put his face in it like I didn't (laughs) like it just did not click whatsoever at all and then after all was said and done I was like oh okay but that's how well they do it he's doing things that make sense but they haven't explained it yet so it leaves room for confusion and it allows the audience to try to figure out what is going on because we're given clues you know because
2: it trusts it trusts the audience that the audience is smart enough to figure it out or if you don't figure it out you'll you'll understand it soon enough anyway so it just kind of trusts you to just like be along for the ride you know which i smart
0: if you don't figure it out along the way you have those sort of like flashbacks when you finally have it explained to you like oh my gosh that's why that was happening you know Mm -hmm. like a good mystery
2: (laughs) i think well and i think this this it's one of the aspects of the show that i think works for kids and also for adults like trying to go both ways because it, it's really good at simultaneously writing these things very subtly and not spelling stuff out for you at first, but still eventually spelling stuff out. So like it's spelled out for the kids ultimately. Yeah. But if you're an adult watching it, you can kind of have fun putting the pieces together before it's before, like the kids figure it out that you may or may not be watching it. With. So <laughs> <laughs> right, Exactly. Yeah. yeah, which I dig, I dig, I, I dig their approach to it.
0: Yes, me too. So once Peter figures this out, or at least, you know, forms his theory, he's like, all right, attempt number three, crashing him into a wall didn't work. Ground didn't stop him, like (laughs) leading him away from people, definitely not working. So here's what we're going to do next. He sort of leads Rhino, because at this point, Rhino's just following him anywhere. Right. He leads Rhino through, like, one of those large metal grates in the street, um, the ones that you can just sort of, like, see directly through that freak a lot of people out. He leads (laughs) Rhino through one of those, and you sort of see that it's this, like, tight passage full of what looked like air ducts or tubes. Um, It's not quite a sewer uh, because it's not... You know a water drainage thing it's it's something something different i think um, they call
2: i mean he i think he calls it a steam tunnel or something but i don't oh, know really <laughs> I, but I don't know like what what is this what is this i've heard the phrase steam tunnel. But like yeah. what would that be connected to? I don't really understand. Well
0: what's what what's is, yeah, but... I know. It's really funny because like <laughs> since neither one of us are like civil engineers or whatever, like we just don't like there are words for all of the things we're talking about and we just yeah. simply don't know them.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's either a very obvious answer to this or it's just like kind of made up, but yeah. they figure that most people aren't gonna know what it is and we'll just accept <laughs> that there's a such thing as a steam tunnel. Which hey, I'm I not I totally to buy
0: it. it. When I walk on those grates, uh, like I see a bunch of things underneath the ground that I don't <laughs> understand you know like yeah sure they're full of steam i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so they continue their battle in this we'll call it steam tunnel and every time rhino sort of runs into one of these tubes or ducts or whatever and ends up puncturing it more steam enters the tunnel and this finally is something that works in spider-man's favor he finally figured it out he just intentionally overheats rhino basically
1: Hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. so much so that he's like okay like rhino's doing a good job of this himself but how about we like (laughs) speed up the process and he he does this cool thing where he grabs four different ducks and just pulls them off the wall and like pulls them in the direction of rhino Mm -hmm. i don't know why i like that so much it's just like a a sort of cool i don't know visual for some reason yeah maybe because it's reminiscent of of (laughs) of dr octopus
2: Oh God. <laughs> Oh man! I just saw that now. I was like, I, I guess it is kind knows. of
0: like it is kind of like the forearms, isn't it?
2: <laughs> I love, I love where your brain is going with that. Uh, Let's go. okay. <laughs>
0: well, he knocks, he knocks Rhino out pretty much. All but knocks Rhino out, I guess I should say.
2: Yeah, he's um, very, very out of it. In fact, he's like super delirious because of this extreme heat. He vows to crush Spider-Man and repeats over and over and over again that he will crush Spider-Man. But then he slips to say that he promised the big man that he'd crush Spider-Man. Hmm. Ooh, ooh, big. which I mean Spidey kind of had his suspicions but this is kind of the opening to get in because he's delirious and he's um <laughs> in his mental state he starts to talk about his mama like you're not my mama I don't want to go to school mama <laughs>
0: yeah Peter calls him uh Alexander oh yeah and he's like you can't call me that only my mama calls me Alexander
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute it? yeah. Ryan, I love adorable rhino uh, he's so good <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but so he takes advantage of him in the state, asks him who the big man is, and Rhino responds, kind of mixing up what we heard earlier.
0: Yeah.
2: Ixne, we don't ever use the B word. We call him Mr. Lincoln.
0: Yes, which is clever. I loved that. I yes. love, love, love that they did that because. Rhino was in the room when that conversation was happening and nobody really thought like uh, maybe this guy's a liability. You know, no one was paying <laughs> okay. attention to him in that moment. He right. was being covered in titanium resin.
2: Right, and we've seen precedent for it because with Sandman, the other like very similar, just kind of low grade like like flunky that they mm-hmm. uh, that they that they gave superpowers to, he also almost exposed the identity of the Big Man. So yeah. it seems like kind of a pattern that maybe you shouldn't just pull random people off the street and give them superpowers what? <laughs> and all oh your my secrets. God.
0: You're being ridiculous, Derek. What
2: <laughs> seems a little. <laughs> May- These are May-
0: foolproof plans. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, (laughs) there's no no holes in giving all your secrets to this random guy and giving him an impenetrable rhino costume and letting him just destroy everything with no end goal other than, I guess, killing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Spider-Man. No, no No. holes in that.
0: Nope, nope. No holes in the plot. No holes in the suit, you know? (laughs) As far as Uh, we know.
2: Yeah, as far as we know. As far as we know. Yeah. How does he pee? Who knows? Whatever. I don't know. We we
0: had to ask the question. He is wearing, yep. okay, so I will point this out. <laughs> okay. He, he, unlike Flint Marco, was wearing something when he was covered in the armor, like the titanium True. resin. So True. Flint Marco, who was supposed to get a subdermal armor, mm-hmm. had no clothes on, which makes sense because that armor was supposed to be on every inch of his body. <laughs> The resin armor, which is external, he's wearing this sort of like, it's almost like an old, it's shaped like, it doesn't look like, but it's shaped like almost like an old school men's bathing suit, like a more yeah. modest bathing suit, but it's some sort of tech or metal or something. So there mm-hmm. is something underneath that armor in between his bikini bits and right. the armor. So, I mean, maybe maybe the armor does open at certain points for the, that <laughs> reason. I don't know
2: yeah or the there's like some robotics technology in there that specifically like processes all his uh, <gasps> oh my gosh stuff. what if he
0: like hyper metabolizes yeah like he yeah just, there's no waste <laughs> right right which, I mean, which would actually contribute to overheating if he yeah. were metaboli- ugh, metabolizing at such a ridiculous rate
2: right and it and it makes more sense because you know if he had like Slots that could open up for that. Then when he was overheating, you know, he would just open them up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: so oh, that would be so cool. I don't know. Like, I'm gonna assume that the villains that are made are just made, and that's that's what happens. But that would be awesome if they like modified his armor, and he ended up with these like ventilation things where when he overheated, he did like uh, I don't know how to describe it other than like the like vents st- open and uh, the steam comes out, and it's just like. Pfft- that would be so cool that would be cool (laughs) but i guess then your armor wouldn't be impenetrable so
2: yeah hmm Hmm.
0: one thing i do want to mention since we're already talking about the sort of impenetrable armor type thing is spider-man ends up saying to himself but also to rhino because i guess he says it out loud he says see my mistake was trying to crack open that hide of yours And I think it's sort of a sort of bantery, sort of just we talk while we fight type of thing. Mm -hmm. But also, since we've sort of gotten to a point in this show, where they're not spoon-feeding us the lessons anymore, I'm trying to pay really close attention to the types of things that Peter says, thinks, and does when he's Mm. fighting the villains, because I think that they inform how Peter grows as a non-superhero person. And I think that what we see in this episode is that he becomes increasingly aggressive towards, not aggressive in like a mean way, but in his approach to Betty, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't really work. And I think this reflects it, right? Like he ends up... In a similar way to Sandman, he beats the Sandman by quote taking a dive, and that informs his behavior later. In this case, yeah. he realizes that he can't just become more aggressive or stronger or take the same approach over and over to quote crack the hide. Um, I don't think it's as strong this time as it was with yeah. Sandman, but he was sort of forced. He was forced out of his thought process and had to r- sort of roll with circumstances, or he had to notice more details. He had to become mm-hmm. more aware. Less oblivious, less stubborn about the circumstance, yeah. and I guess that's sort of what we're pulling away from the rhino battle.
2: Yeah. Well, I also it I, I I really like where you're going with that. I didn't think about that at all, but it makes a lot of sense, and I think it makes me feel like a teeny bit better about the "I'm wearing her down" line because yes. this is exactly saying that you can't do that that just that just continually trying to like pummel down which and just being persistent which you know he was doing with her and he was also doing with the rhino technically in a more aggressive way like that's not always going to work and in most cases it actually probably isn't going to work you can't just wear somebody down because in both cases he lost like the ultimate goal he was trying to get at he couldn't crack over rhino and he couldn't get betty as a date so, right, that's interesting,
0: yeah. and I, I I do think that um this one is way 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 more subtle and nuanced than <laughs> any of the lessons we've gotten so far. I'm not even sure if it fully materializes, but that's sort of that's the, I think the most I could really pull out of the yeah. he learns lessons from his super battles that he applies to his real life.
2: Yeah, I think the only reason that I that it that it falls a little bit flat mm-hmm. for me is the fact that in the Betty situation he's kind of like rewarded just by the act of Aunt May and no, nothing, not because he learns anything.
0: It would be, it would be, I guess we'll jump a little bit ahead just to, to finish this thought, but like it would almost make more sense if he, between this battle and the dance, like, noticed Gwen in some way and was Mm -hmm. like, oh, shoot, like, that's what was happening. I've made myself more aware. And now I'm realizing that there was a solution, quote, solution, because obviously his problem is getting a date. Right. But like there was a solution in front of me this whole time. So that, yeah, that would have strengthened it for sure. But obviously yeah. they have something else in mind.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, but even, even if they didn't go with the Glenn, Glenn route, which we, obviously they, they couldn't based on what they have kind oh, of been yeah. going on with. They could have easily just, could have just went with like, Oh, you know what? The obvious answer was, was in front of me. It, does, it doesn't have to be a hot 20-year-old. It can be this person, Mary Jane, that my aunt has been telling me yeah. about. And you know what? My aunt's oh. a good person, so I should yeah. just trust her. And he should have went to Aunt May and just been like, you know what, Aunt May, why don't you tell Mary Jane to come over and we'll, oh. we'll go to the formal together.
0: You're right. That would have been perfect because yeah. if, it, if they simply made it his choice, I do think, yeah, it would have, it would have solidified yeah. so it's, much better.
2: Only reason, and I feel even conflicted saying that because I do really enjoy Aunt May being kind of, like, nefarious and, plo- and like, plotting, like, oh, this yeah, whole no, things spring up on him, but it makes it, like, a weaker lesson for him. Yeah. It's always stronger if he does, like, actually take some action because of a lesson that he learned rather than just yeah. having stuff happen to him.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting line, and so I, I yeah. you know, took note of it because I was like, "I bet that's in there for a reason." I, you yeah. know, I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't talk about what he's learned without it applying in some way.
2: Yeah, I think you're totally right with that. That's a a great observation. Well, on like a little bit more of a a, kind of a downer note, but still very interesting. At the Osborne residence, we see kind of the aftermath of the Rhino situation where Hammerhead has figured out that Oscorp has managed to secure the contract to build Rhino's custom prison cell, which he also did with Sandman is what's revealed. So it's a totally like win-win situation for Osborne. He's basically double dipping on this plan by... Getting paid to create these supervillains and then getting paid by someone else to hold them um, after they're like captured mm-hmm. and arrested, um, which is like I love that type of like Osborne, Norman Osborne um plotting there. It's so good.
0: Yeah, I can't remember exactly how Hammerhead puts it, but basically like he I think he says like paid going in, paid going out, or something like that. Yes. Yeah, it's it's really slimy, but really smart. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) And it it pretty deliberately answers the question of which it seems kind of obvious to me in retrospect, but we were asking before, like, oh, why aren't they just doing the experiments with it Oscorp? Why is it it's he specifically says, like, no, I did not want Any of this trace back to Oscorp. Yes. At all. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, for sure. I I, I remember specifically saying, like, it doesn't make any sense that like, why wouldn't they just do this at Oscorp? Mm -hmm. Because Otto Octavius is one of his employees, I am pretty sure. Yes. They make it seem very, very clear that, like, Otto is not, like, a freelance (laughs) mad scientist, you know? Right. And so... So yeah, it was really weird to me that they were like in an auto body shop, but the auto body shop is named LTL, which is significant in just a moment, <laughs> and it's not at Oscorp. Like, there's a lot of reasons why why it goes that way. It's interesting because this this show makes me ask these questions, and I I have to like learn to trust it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds terrible, but like they're you know not all of the shows that we have talked about so far are ones that I can trust. To follow up on the questions they know I'm asking. Because yeah. they don't anticipate the questions that I'm gonna ask. These right. creators anticipate what I'm gonna ask, make a note of it, and then answer it later. Yeah. So it's really weird to sort of like remind myself like, don't dig into it too hard because they'll <laughs> probably address it, you know? <laughs> it's so
2: it's so fun for me to hear you bring up stuff, um bring up that stuff though, and ask those yeah. th- for us to answer then like on our <laughs> next episode. It's so fun. Especially with like a lot of stuff it I legitimately like don't remember or, like, didn't notice because I wasn't Mm -hmm. paying enough attention on my original watch of it. But then it also makes it fun for stuff where I'm just like, I know where this is going. I know the answer to that. (laughs) Well, and I I really –
0: again, you know, I've said, like, I admire them for some of the risks they take. And I admire them for this because it is – that is kind of a dangerous thing to do because the feeling that you have when you're watching it is still the feeling that you have. So if I'm watching something and I'm frustrated because something doesn't make sense – I'm still frustrated in that moment, no matter what you know, yes, so yes. knowing i I am trusting because because we're analyzing it so heavily, I can see the connections, and so I can sit there and say, Okay, well, I'll trust the process, but if you end up yeah. you know not being if you're if you're sort of casually binging this or you're watching it week to week, and you have an episode where you're like, this just doesn't make any sense like i'm I don't know why they keep doing this or why this is happening this way you know it's it's risky luckily they are talented enough that i i think even if you weren't you know tracking every little thing I don't think they've done anything so egregious or so confusing um, that would put somebody off. The closest thing I could think of is having an entire episode where Peter's friends hate him, (laughs) but it wasn't the focus of the episode. So it's easy to come back from that.
2: Yeah. And it does make me think just sort of, just kind of along those lines. um, Not exactly the same, but it's something that it kind of plays into something that we're going to be talking about very shortly is that I think it's interesting when this came out, you know, in 2008. So it was, I think just a couple, a few months before Iron Man came out. So before the Mm. MCU, Mm -hmm. And I think with the MCU, people, like the general public and, and comic book geeks especially, I think just kind of instantly became a lot more accepting of changes being made to the source material and taking those kinds of risks that maybe seem weird or frustrating and then being like, oh, okay, I get it. You did it because it makes a better story. I think up to that point, like... There was always that just knee jerk like you change it so it's bad reaction, <laughs> and I think it's I think it's really cool that this show took those risks kind of before it kind of became the norm to be like fusing, uh, fusing stories together. Like not to say that that adaptations weren't already doing that; plenty were. But the general reaction was always like, well, they changed it now, it sucks, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people have generally warmed up to it a lot. And this show, I think, does it in spades really well in terms of condensing the stories and making these really interesting changes, like Montana and the Shocker. Yeah. Or, like you were saying, just making like really taking big risks that maybe just even even, or even small risks that just risk being frustrating in the moment, but just being like, just trust us on this. We're doing this for a reason. We're not just doing this. Yeah. We're not just doing it for the hell of it. We are doing this for a very specific reason and you will understand and it will be clear to you later.
0: One, I think it's, I do think it's significant that you bring up the MCU because the MCU has trained us to accept things we don't understand either because they are an Easter egg or they are a direct reference to something or they'll come up later. You know what I mean? Yes. So I do think um, it's it's kind of wild that this was happening before that was sort of an established like, okay, guys, like look for the continuity
2: or trust that the continuity <laughs> is there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh, because it's a really good show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so freaking good.
0: <laughs> it's, like, it's really, really good. I, I really do, you know, as I watch the show, I, I kind of get sad um, knowing that it only lasts so long because i think they would have succeeded in their goal of being the definitive spider-man show seriously i really I really know. really truly believe that Ugh. and i've yeah. only seen seven episodes
2: <laughs> yeah it, that like hearing you say that like warms my heart but also makes it sink yeah very deeply exactly yeah no that's <laughs> it's
0: exactly what happens when i think about it is like i i'm so happy for what they managed to create and then i'm sad they couldn't do it longer so yeah
2: at least we've we've still got a good we've still got we've still yeah. got a lot of good stuff ahead so yeah, we're not there sure. we're not at the end yet
0: well, and we have a little bit more of this episode, so actually, and some pretty significant stuff too. So let's uh, yeah. let's close this one out. So, yeah. <laughs> Osborne, being smart, you know, he's like a, he's one of the smarter characters in the show for sure. Basically, tells Hammerhead like, "Okay, like, yes, you you figured me out, and it's a win win, and everything's great." But also, like maybe let's chill for a sec because people are starting to ask questions. People will start to poke around or whatever. Um, And Hammerhead says like, no, 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 no. You don't get to call that shot. That is entirely up to the big man. Only he can decide when we do things or don't do things. And he even sort of like tries to assert that power over osborne by saying you don't want to push this because you wouldn't want those people poking around and asking questions and figuring out who i think he says was responsible for freak one and freak two they kind of get into a little spat too because then osborne comes back and says like there are no links no one will figure it out um, yeah. There's not a way that they could do that, and Hammerhead has an answer for that too. It's actually an interesting sort of exchange because it goes back and forth a couple times. But as Hammerhead is responding, like, "Well, you seem to have forgotten that Otto Octavius is your employer, and that is how people could figure it out." Not employer, employee. Harry actually interrupts the conversation, so they don't really they don't really resolve this uh, as it's heating up. <laughs> yeah. Harry just bursts through the door. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Which I'm not really sure what to think of this yet because it's, it's a really interesting moment. Harry bursts through the door as these two guys are in the middle of this kind of tense argument over who has more power in the circumstance, the big man or Osborne. Harry runs in to say that he made straight A's on his midterms. He made the varsity <laughs> football team and he got a day to the prom. Which is fine. Norman dismisses him, which is not a surprise at all. Mm -hmm. But then when the door closes, Harry, like, gets sinister again. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly what he says, but he, like, does his weird sort of, like, uh, I don't know, raspy villain voice. And I'm like, I don't, like, what is, what is, maybe, I don't. I don't know if you can put it all together for me because there, I have questions as a result of these two episodes that can't be answered yet.
2: Uh-huh. But
0: it's just such a weird, weird scene.
2: I don't think we're. I think it's. I think it's supposed to be confusing because I. I think this. This is an. This is a. Um. I think this is another instance of what what I was talking about a couple episodes ago, where the show kind of weaponizes like our knowledge of Spider-Man because we know that in the comics harry often becomes a bad guy right but we have no basis for him like he's just a high school kid right now so we like we have no basis for how he could be a bad guy so like it's sort of like yeah you know that he could potentially have it in him some versions do but why how when what like i think it's very very intentionally kind of um suggesting especially you know given who's introduced in the next episode like we kind of uh (laughs) i think it's just kind of setting up just like the the question of like what is actually going on with harry like i think it's meant to be confusing basically yeah
0: it's just such a weird reaction like in the last episode we talked about he's dejected in this one he just goes straight to being like (laughs) yeah well okay dude
2: (laughs) here's the other the other side of it is that norman is having these meetings with like this crime lord guy talking openly about their secret plans in his house, which granted yes. it's his house, that's but what like I find he's interesting. leaving, that's it's what's not,
0: being interrupted, you know. It's like that's literally what's so
2: strange. It's like it's in, it's behind an open door that Harry can burst into so easily. So it's like, how much did Harry hear? Yes, how much was he listening <laughs> to beforehand? Like, I think those are all questions that we're meant to have. The show is just not spelling it out for okay. us. But I think that you're right to be confused by it and, and be questioning it because it's, it is weird as hell.
0: As long as there wasn't something like obvious in front of me that I just missed and that's why I was confused, that's fine. Because <laughs> it is very – it's a very, very confusing yeah. reaction. Yeah. and the, the next episode really does play on that for sure. right. Um, but that sort of that sort of closes up the Osborne side of things for the rest of this episode. We do get a couple other things tied up. Peter does return to the bugle to meet back up with Aunt May and Betty. They, they cover a lot um, in the course of like one <laughs> night here. Um, and actually what's funny is the next episode continues this this night.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: These episodes, despite being the end of one arc and the beginning of the other, all take place over the course of one night, which is astonishing. (laughs) It's
2: crazy.
0: (laughs) It's really, really uh, impressive, actually, Um, but Mm -hmm. crazy for the characters, for sure. It's a lot. <laughs> but anyway, he meets back up with Aunt May and Betty. Betty very clearly this time rejects Peter. Says like it is not happening. I am not going with you. Um she cites the age difference again and says outright like it would be it would be weird.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Peter has like a slight moment of vulnerability where he's like are you calling you're calling me weird? And she's like no 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 no. Like the age thing would be weird. You are not weird. The age thing is weird, which actually I think highlights the not just age difference between the two, but sort of the maturity difference between the two, which I i think is an important way to cap off this multi-episode peter pursuing betty thing to give yes. us this interaction where she's like you're not hearing what i'm saying you're having sort of an emotional reaction to it which just sort of proves my point
2: <laughs> right right so i i
0: i do you know because i was so concerned along the way i'm very pleased with the way that that wrapped up
2: <laughs> absolutely Yes, I love um I love Aunt May's reaction to all oh to all my God, It's so funny. Oh She's my God,
0: so good in this episode. <laughs>
2: She so is. Yeah, she's just like, oh, how sad. Well, you probably want to be alone. I'll meet you at home. Bye. And just, <laughs> literally just like scuttles right off. Like, <laughs> Yeah.
0: The line read is literally like that, too. Like, she's yeah. doing the thing where she's like,
2: okay, well, I'll see you later. Everybody, bye. <laughs> it's so funny. Because <laughs> yep, she got just, plans. She got plans. She's got she's gotta yeah. to get got to complete her plans. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, especially when you realize it's all happening in one night. Like, she's got stuff to do.
1: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So... Peter obviously is upset at that. Um, He thought he had a date. Now he doesn't. And that was really important to him. So he's like, you know what? I need to at least, (laughs) I need something. Like, I need a win here. Um, So he actually asks uh, Foswell, who we saw in the elevator earlier, if he has any information about a Mr. Lincoln who may also sometimes be called the big man. Um, Foswell confirms that there are recurring rumors about, you know, the big man sort of linking L Thompson Lincoln to this name, the big man, but Foswell disregard, like, like dismisses it. He's like, but that's actually not true. Like Lincoln's a good guy. He's a philanthropist. And I've looked into it and he's like, he's totally cool, man. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of a weird reaction, but uh, we don't, we don't know anything yet. So, we're sort of like i do we do we believe that this is the case is is right. he on the right track peter yeah. is unconvinced so he decides well i'm going to pursue that anyway I'm going to go for it anyway. Forget you, Foswell.
2: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And uh, suspicions will be confirmed very, very shortly. So (laughs) in like the last
0: three minutes of this episode,
2: it's crazy how much they shove at the end of this, right? I couldn't believe
0: how much story was left at the end of this episode.
2: I know. I know. So he arrives at the penthouse office looking for Lincoln and finds him like immediately. Like he just webs up his guards. Lincoln just turns around and he's like, hey, I'm here. And. And he has like pale white skin, sharp teeth, (laughs) just a permanent scowl. This is L. Thompson Lincoln. He does not look like a good guy at all. And Spider-Man's like, you don't look like a good guy. I'm accusing Mm -hmm. you of being the big man and l thompson lincoln is like some people call it the big man my favorite nickname is tombstone well
0: okay so i have a question actually sure because i watched so i've watched obviously both of these episodes a couple times and there i okay <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. walked away from both of these episodes with the understanding that lincoln was not confirming that he was called the big man, that other people might call him that, but that he is not the person that Spider-Man believes the big man to be, that other characters in the next episode will be. Like, I got the sense that he was distancing himself from the name The Big Man, because he understood people were talking about someone else that wasn't him. But I also see that you have production notes that... Oh. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Because I was, it was sort of confusing because people continue to call him that, but yeah. he continues to say it's it's really not what you think or 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 you've got it all wrong or you're making a mistake. And Lincoln's presented in an interesting way where at the end of this scene, specifically where Spider-Man confronts him, he is very easily able to convince the police officers that he did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that Spider-Man rolled up on him. Spider-Man tried to beat him up. Spider-Man beat up his employees. And so it creates a sort of interesting thing where I'm like, okay, so people call you the big man, like, that's real. But, like, are you someone, like, is there someone else in the picture?
2: That's, yeah, I see That's what sort you of mean. how I
0: walked away. But I... I I'm getting the sense that, like, he just is that, and he's just denying that he is that.
2: Well, I I thought his confirmation was basically when um, he started talking about all the crime waves and stuff, and was like, uh, you can be my employee, and then you just look past my criminals, making it pretty obvious that he is a crime lord, like, which, ergo, he is the big man. But I see what you're saying, that But he
0: also refers to the big man in the third person. Yeah,
2: I see what you mean. Like, he refers to
0: the big man's wealth, and how no amount of crime fighting is going to make a dent in the big man's wealth. So mm-hmm.
2: I see what you mean. There's also the, but then there's also the fact that like every time anyone's ever talked to the big man on the phone, it's the same voice over the phone. So like it's, it's his, it's tombstone is the one who's talking to them over the phone, you yeah. know? So
0: well, and at, at this point, like I know that I, I, I guess technically <laughs> I don't know that he is quote the big man, but I, I know now that the big man is not who I thought it was. Right. Because right. I, in my head, had this sort of idea that, you know, you have Hammerhead who is working for Lincoln or Tombstone, whatever, mm-hmm. and then we sort of get the, re- the quote, big man reveal only to learn that there's a bigger, like, there's a bigger man, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, that's, I was like, oh, okay, interesting, like, wow, kind of like, uh, this isn't even my final form type of thing, like, when you're sure. fighting a boss. yeah. But I guess, I guess I can lay that to rest
2: yeah I mean I don't want to you can never trust anything that you see on this show but I, I yeah so that's, <laughs> but I that's can't interesting trust that production you, notes well yeah but you know okay but, hey, you never know what they could be lying, lying about but I can't I wish I could I want to play this game because I really like I really like your uh, your suspicions and stuff but th- I will say the production note that I have which I'll, I'm going to read in a second it was from like the air like right around the airing of this episode so like this was Weissman talking about it so it was yeah. this one it wasn't like if you were watching the show at the time and following it remotely on the internet, you would like know this this information yeah, yeah, yeah. out there. So basically, if you're watching the show, I feel like the sense is like he's literally just the kingpin. Basically, that's but they just plotted tombstone. Almost
0: my it. exact words, where I was like, yeah. it, "It's obviously the kingpin."
2: Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, The reason being that was actually going to be like the thing. It was just going to be the Kingpin. They probably wouldn't have even said big man. They probably would have been like Kingpin. Who's the Kingpin? And they would have found the Kingpin or whatever. Yeah. The reason that it wasn't the Kingpin was actually a legal issue. So Perry Weissman back in 2008, he said um, Kingpin was in the early plans of the show, but, and I quote, it's a legal issue. It's got nothing to do with creative. Kingpin is part of the daredevil license. Uh, We've been asking and we'll continue to ask. (laughs) We'll continue to. That's sad and I'm hopeful that <laughs> even sadder and I'm hopeful that someday we will uh, we will have mm, I think this is a typo and hopeful that someday we'll be given that permission basically I think it was when the movie Daredevil came out that's like the way that like uh, dr. doom is tied up with fantastic 4 because of their movies yeah. like the way that they package these licenses they package characters together so Kingpin is now like with the Daredevil license so any adaptation in like movies and TV always has to have the kingpin until you know obviously since then things have changed Change and everything has gotten bought up and marvel owns everything so that's why you can have kingpin into the spider-verse now and while well, also having kingpin on the daredevil tv show i believe but mm. at, at at that point everything was still separate and segmented so kingpin just straight up wasn't allowed to be in the show the only thing that made it weird was that in the 2003 spider-man show that came that did come out after the daredevil movie they did have kingpin in it so they were like somehow able to get around the licensing for that but for what, for whatever reason they weren't budging this time and and to weissman like weissman says about that and i'm jealous <laughs> that they were able yeah. to do that oh for sure but he also says that he admits that it's it's frankly the one hole in our series the one thing that i think prevents it from being truly 100 percent along the lines of being definitive um is not having kingpin in the show
0: yeah i think he's beating himself a, b- a little bit too much about that uh, I, I don't think, so, think the show think so needs too. kingpin i do think that they were building up to it Mm -hmm. and i mean i i I will just say straight up like after watching these two episodes i still was wholly convinced that kingpin would have shown up in this show because of the way tombstone acted about the name in that it it felt very much like the big man is this name but it's not a definitive name for one person it is just the biggest man you know is the big man and so people who have yeah, based on their understanding, right? So like like Sandman and and Rhino, they might not even be aware of the Kingpin, right? Mm-hmm. So to them, and for 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 transactional purposes, for business, whatever, it's fine if they call Tomb Tombstone the big man. Whatever. He's working for the big man. The less they know, the better. They can call me that if they want to. But then when he's confronted, it's like, Well, no, actually, you don't really understand these things. It's bigger than you think. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of how I was walking away from it. That's so but, interesting. Uh, yeah. That's fine though. I mean, it's it's fine if it's not the case because my my first reaction, which is is recorded, it's out there, was like, okay, cool. Like you're not fooling me. Like it's obviously pen. <laughs> so like the fact that it's different is fine. You know, like I'm I'm yeah. very okay with that. But uh, yeah, I think since since I'm I'm digesting each one of these episodes as I watch it was sort of this like like everything in front of me is just sort of a. a an abyss I I feel (laughs) like it's interesting to sort of like dig into to where where I where my expectations were which was still that like okay well they've made this pretty pretty murky and i'm into it
2: <laughs> yeah well it is it, it is interesting that they that yeah it is interesting that they keep it murky i really i like that your brain went in that way and it is i think it's a good testament to the show that you're kind of like always always guessing you yeah. know um which we also see kind of in the next episode given that they don't like reveal the identity of the a villain yet in the, in the episode he's introduced mm-hmm. like technically so yeah. I, I think it's really cool that they that they do a lot of that and you know this i think with tombstone it's it's kind of a shocker Montana situation where they take a character you know everybody knows Tombstone powers yeah. are fine we, he's a crime lord in, in a lot of iterations fine but like he's not really that interesting most of the time unless they tweak him a little bit right. um, so to kind of slot him into this sort of kingpin type role where he's just he's a he's just a heightened crime lord at this point um Mm -hmm. just a lot more refined and doing a lot of the same stuff kingpin does but just with like the really kind of cool and unique look of tombstone it makes a lot of sense it seems very logical actually that he'd be slotted into that role
0: yeah no it it definitely works um it's working really really well actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm into it yeah so okay so I keep getting us way off track. No, it's so. Oh god, it's so
2: interesting where your brain has been going with this, though. It's so fascinating because it's literally like watching it with new eyes again, and yeah. I, I love that.
0: <laughs> okay, so we'll blast through the next two things. I promise. I keep. I keep saying that, but we'll do it. So, okay, there's a really, really important interaction that Tombstone and Spider-Man have. They fight at some point. Who cares? We don't need to get into it. What's really important is the conversation they have. Tombstone basically explains to Spider-Man that at first he was a problem because he was scaring off criminals. However, when Spider-Man started battling with these incidentally superpowered criminals, that actually empowered the street criminals because they were like, oh, well, we don't matter to Spider-Man. He's busy stopping these superpowered criminals and we saw that with those three punks in the car they literally said oh spider-man's way too busy to bother with us you know what i mean so we Mm -hmm. we saw it happen this rattles spider-man because he just like (laughs) he just figured out like who the big man is or at least had a lead and was like i'm i'm doing awesome stuff here only to Mm -hmm. find out that his presence is resulting in bigger and badder superpowered villains Yup the plan from big man's perspective or from tombstone's perspective is to keep creating these superpowered villains so that spider-man's occupied which we again we saw that happen with um sandman as long as Mm spider-man's occupied we can do our thing Mm -hmm. and then to sort of cap it all off tombstone's like you get it you get it but guess what we can both benefit from this let me make you a deal so he offers for Spider-Man to work for him, to get paid. He could continue to fight crime. The only caveat is that in specific circumstances, he has to look the other way. Like, he has to not, not be a superhero in this specific instance or that specific instance, whatever the case may be. But ultimately, Spider-Man would get paid. Tombstone would understand better, like what's going on, and could sort of choose the most important <laughs> circumstances for Spider-Man to intervene in or not intervene in. <laughs> and from from Tombstone's perspective, this is a this is a this is a great deal for the both of them. But he obviously doesn't know Spider-Man's past. There is no way Peter's going to take a deal like this because he's literally been asked to look away, and he knows full well the consequences of mm-hmm. quote looking away. It's obviously an Uncle Ben reference.
2: They don't do a direct flashback for it. You just, you just know, you know what he's yep. talking about. I like yep. that. I like that they don't spell that out. They don't spoon feed that to you.
0: Yeah. Well, like you've said many times, like this, they do a good job allowing the audience to just to, or, or rather, they trust their audience, right? Like they yeah. do a good job trusting their audience. Yes. Yes. So obviously, he says no.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> yeah. And uh, before they can exchange blows any any further, um, as they're fight doing a little a little bit of a a fighting or whatever um but before they can do anything a pair of police officers arrive and tombstone of course is like hey spider-man just uh came in he attacked me he attacked my guards which you know that's what happened um (laughs) spidey just breaking and entering basically and the cops see you know they they see that too so they tell him to freeze spidey is pissed off um runs from the cops which is and he's like i've never run from the cops before i'm so mad ah, i'm so so mad but he does consider that he he recognizes that like he thinks he's been winning the battles but he actually has not won the war but the one upside to the confrontation that he just had is that he is aware now that there is a war and mm-hmm. that the big man exists and is a crime lord and is kind of waging this war against him that he now can be prepared for
0: yes indeed yeah, it's 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 good information to have. He does he does ultimately walk away with more information than he had before. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, at, at least a battle, you know. So
2: yeah, yeah.
0: The episode itself closes in a way that we've sort of referenced already. It's at the Parker residence, um, and Aunt May is preparing for Peter to go to the formal. Peter is, of course, like, I don't want to go. I don't have a date. It's going to be dumb if I show up alone. But Aunt May is like, oh, well, <laughs> how lucky you are then that Mary <laughs> Jane Watson's already on her way. <laughs> what, what? Yeah, right? Huh, what a weird coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Peter's like, what? What are you talking about? And I think literally calls Aunt May like an evil mastermind. Yep. Yep. Which is really funny. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Not untrue. So good. I know, right? I mean, we saw everything she did.
2: Maybe Aunt May is really the big man. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> it's, all, it's all possible, you know? <laughs>
0: uh, she's certainly capable. We, we've we seen. <laughs> but this, this all culminates in a very, very classic moment. Uh, this version of... the moment where the doorbell rings and peter answers the door mary jane is there stunning um even in a black dress uh which is didn't was she in a black dress in her very first appearance i feel like she was wearing something fancy Uh, overly fancy, fancy probably
2: yeah, I think so. Something like that.
0: And then delivers the line, face it, Tagger, you just hit the jackpot, which, of pew, course. Pew, pew. You know? Of course. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you know how last episode, I, I didn't remember this until I listened back to it, but how we were joking about like <laughs> the football spider head, and we were like, wow, it's going to be all kinds of shapes. I can't wait until it's a heart. Yeah, mm. I'm
0: not even going to say anything. I'm just going to roll the clip. It would have been too much for me to even have the spider signal in the sky. Uh, I don't I don't know why they even do that. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, it's even a degree further to change it into a, a football. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to it eventually turning into a heart. <laughs> <laughs> it was called.
2: <laughs> uh, yep. So... And I, like
0: I said then, I'll say now, I'm already <laughs> tired of the spider signal That's... at the end of every episode.
2: <laughs> Cheesy as hell.
0: We don't need it. <laughs>
2: but it's okay yes Eh, whatever oh well hey we'll talk about mary jane more in the next episode but uh cool indeed yeah this episode is really interesting because i mean for a lot of reasons obviously that we talked about but Mm -hmm. i also think the structure is interesting because up to this point they've done a lot of like i think it's been like two or three battles kind of interspersed throughout the episode with the main villain and this one it's literally just (laughs) one through the entire middle yeah and then just kind of bookended with these little personal scenes Mm -hmm. um which is a a fascinating structure. It makes the episode go by really quickly. I feel like.
0: Yeah. Despite how much they packed into it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's just sort of like, Oh, whoa, it's over now. And I think because, you know, you're just kind of engrossed in the action for uh, the majority of the middle of it. Right. So it's a really interesting structure for it, but it works, makes sense. Kind of works thematically. Cause you have the Rhino just kind of barging in and just destroying everything while all this personal, so you have to stop your life to stop the Rhino because he's mm-hmm. on his rampage and then pick up the pieces after that. And that's what happens. Yeah.
0: Well, as always, great faces are had, great faces are screen capped, and great oh, faces boy. will be shared.
2: Oh boy, yes! So check out our social media to see these images that we're going to talk about. But the two that I that 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 stood out to me, I love it when um, Rhino is falling out the the Daily Bugle, when Peter thinks he might have killed him because the way Rhino falls, he's just like a statue. Mm -hmm. falling like feet forward onto the ground yeah and his face is like i don't even it's just like frozen like i don't know what's gonna happen next but uh we're just gonna have to go for it i guess (laughs) it's hilarious because
0: because these animators don't make mistakes like it wasn't like they just forgot to make him have an expression or a reaction like this is specifically how he was meant to react (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is to just be like all right at this point i'm falling through the air And I can't do anything until I hit the ground.
2: Yep, yep. (laughs) So funny. He's not a guy who overthinks things, so it kind of makes sense for him. He's just like, well, I'm just going to be here until I land, and we'll see where where that goes. Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's so funny.
2: The other face I wanted to pull out. It's the face is fine. It's just uh, Peter's face yeah. when he when he sees Mary Jane, and it's just a nice light little smile. It's fine. Could be better. Could be a little more detailed, but it works. I really just wanted to pull it to compare it to '90s Peter when he first sees Mary Jane and, and mm-hmm. hits the jackpot. Just to remind ourselves the um, the pros and cons of having overly detailed, line heavy
0: faces. <laughs> yes, yes. If we haven't convinced you that uh, <laughs> that the animators made a good choice and take advantage of their own choice. <laughs> <laughs> this will do it this will really yeah. do it <laughs> uh,
2: it was from the that was from our episode two i think at the end of that one so what i'll uh, i'll share both of these on social media so you can have a nice Ooh. nice little nice little nostalgia for a
0: callback uh, face of the episode nice, <laughs> a
2: callback yes a callback <laughs> face of the episode a nice little nostalgia for uh a very horrific Peter face. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> one of the greatest in one Ooh, way or another. Boy. Oh, the three boy. eyebrowed Peter. I forgot about that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh my god, uh, I can't look at anymore. <laughs> <laughs> scroll
0: away, scroll away.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Shall we move on to our next episode?
0: I believe we shall.
2: This is the start of the Chemistry 101 arc. This is episode 7 of season 1 of Spectacular Spider-Man. The synopsis per IMDb. Peter and Mary Jane Watson go to the Midtown High Fall Formal. Meanwhile, the mysterious Green Goblin tries to force L. Thompson Lincoln to step down as NYC's big man of crime. Will Spider-Man be able to take on this new threat? (laughs) <laughs>
0: hmm, hmm, hmm. See that's a that's an instance where if I had read the synopsis I wouldn't be as confused.
2: <laughs> yeah, because you can always trust the IMDb synopsis. That's true. It's always uh,
0: very factual. It's uh, straight from the source. Always, literally, definitely. <laughs> this uh, this episode originally aired on April twenty sixth, two thousand and eight. Uh, it was written by Andrew Robinson and directed by. Victor Cook.
2: Mm-hmm. We know Victor Cook very well. Andrew Robinson, I think you wrote one of the, last, the episodes on our last episode, so you can go back, back there to learn a little bit more about him. Yes. Um, we've got a slew of major characters to talk about. One introduced here, two introduced them in the last episode but did not really get a lot to do um and we'll talk about their actors more in depth here so you'll probably guess the, the ones that we're going to talk about here mm-hmm. right now the first character here is mary jane watson portrayed by Vanessa marshall so she's got a beautiful voice mm-hmm she portrayed Wonder Woman in Justice League, Crisis on Two Earths, and the Flashpoint Paradox animated movies, as well as in DC Universe's upcoming Harley Quinn series. She was also Hera on Star Wars Rebels, Gamora on the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series, which has come up a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, she'd make a really good Gamora, actually. That's pretty cool. Right? I actually,
0: um, uh, yeah, I when I saw that, I was like, oh, she would be really good.
2: Yeah, She's also, I know that she's very good as Black Canary on Young Justice, among other voices, Mm -hmm. and um, Madame Toussaint on Stretch Armstrong, another Victor Cook connection there. I've mentioned that series many times. We're going to
0: watch one of those episodes, right? Like, I feel like at this point, we have to watch that show. Um, We have to. It's been on for, I think, at least a couple years now, and it's made by people that I like. So I think I'm going to like it. I guess so. I which is a weird thing to say about a stretch arm
2: right. TV show. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I would have had no interest otherwise, other yeah. than the pedigree of people that were involved right. in. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Another just really cool trivia fact: uh, Vanessa Marshall's mother is Joan Van Ark. She was an actress who voiced Spider Woman in the 1979 Spider Woman series.
1: Mm. which is
2: a show that we have done a commentary episode on that. That'll be released. Um, I think that's the one that's coming up. That'll be coming up this month. Yeah. And which we really actually, spoiler alert, we really liked it a lot.
0: Yeah. I I liked it.
2: A really fun connection there.
0: Yes. Um, The next character that we, again, isn't introduced in this episode, but is heavily featured in this episode is uh, L Thompson Lincoln, AKA tombstone, AKA the big man uh, portrayed by (laughs) Kevin Michael, Richardson who I okay remember how I talked about John DiMaggio I promise I won't do that again this time but I love Kevin Michael Richardson a lot yeah I, this, okay, so this podcast is actually, it's forcing me to think a lot more about voice actors and learn a lot more about voice actors, um, which is good because we should respect voice actors a lot more than we do. But there were maybe a handful or two of voice actors that I, I already knew. And Kevin Michael Richardson is definitely one of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's. Incredible. And his credits are, to be frank, quite overwhelming uh, just by how much he's done and the the caliber of things he's done. He is, um, he actually is the voice of the Joker that we were wondering about as far as like, was That's this right. Joker nominated for awards or not? Confirmed. Wow. Kevin Michael Richardson was nominated for two Daytime Emmys for that portrayal of the Joker in the 2004 The Batman series. That's So we crazy. were right in speculating that that was an award-winning, or sorry, award-nominated performance, <laughs> but certainly recognized uh, for sure. Right. Which is really cool, actually. <laughs> yeah. He is the voice of Martian Manhunter in Young Justice. He was Killawog in Green Lantern, the animated series. Job of the Hutt in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, which is coming up a lot, so has worked at least in probably a half dozen episodes with a, no, uh, a number of the folks that we've mentioned being in the Clone Wars. He is bulkhead in a number of Transformers properties. He's uh, Principal Lewis in American Dad and Cleveland Brown Jr. on The Cleveland Show. The Cleveland Brown Jr. from the actual show, not the one from Family Guy. Right. And he has a minor role in Princess and the Frog, which I wouldn't have even mentioned except for the fact that that's the same movie that Keith David voices the <laughs> main antagonist for.
2: Right. And, which is and, cool. Yeah, and as we know, Keith David was the first voice for uh, Tombstone slash Big Man yes. in the pilot episode before he was, <laughs> so pretty yes. cool. And they have very similar voices, so actually I think it was pretty genius casting by bringing Ke- Kevin Michael right. Richardson in
0: for it. He also was Captain Cantu in the movie Lilo and Stitch. Which means that he probably was in the same room as Dean DeBlois at some point, or Dean DeBlois, or however the hell you say his name. Just, you know, you all can, if you all know us, you know why I'm bringing that up in the first place. (laughs) Um, And, strangely, was the voice of Goro in 1995's live-action Mortal Kombat movie.
2: Huh. Yeah. Okay.
0: When I saw that credit, I was like, surely he was not the actor that played Goro, because I would remember that, um, and he's not. He's just the voice. That is so (laughs) weird.
2: Yeah, very, very, very bizarre.
0: (laughs) So yeah, I I love Kevin Michael Richardson. Kevin Michael Richardson, if you're listening, I love you, and I just want to proclaim my love for you. Yes. I love you.
2: Please come on the show, Kevin Michael Richardson, (laughs) who is definitely listening to this podcast, I'm sure.
0: Now that I've not made it awkward at all. Anybody
2: that I wanted the show probably already made it awkward about. So at
0: this point. Fair enough.
2: (laughs) Uh, This next one's crazy. Like Yes. (laughs) What? (laughs) Uh, This
0: show already has really high caliber talent, but every once in a while it still, still catches me off guard where I'm like, wait a moment.
2: (laughs) uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Green Goblin. Who we only get Green Goblin, we don't get any alter ego in this.
0: I know, I was really scared to look it up, but I knew I had to. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, well, luckily, yeah, it's luckily. I like the way that they did it because they don't have any any actor, you know, putting on a, a. They just they just have a voice act, like a voice actor for Green Goblin. I think that was really mm-hmm. smart, a smart way to kind of keep the mystery going and all yes. that stuff.
0: So, yes, I appreciate it. Eleven years later, thanks everyone. Right, for keeping that <laughs> secret.
2: <laughs> um, so Green Goblin is portrayed by Steve Blum, who, like, I mean, we say it a lot about people where it's just like, oh, you've heard of him. If you don't know the name, you you've heard him, but like. I mean, it goes like double for this guy because he's in so many things, everything. He's in every well, anime, every and anime you've ever seen in your life.
0: Well, I think, th- okay, so that's part <laughs> of it. There's a few things, right? Like there's, you've probably heard this person's voice, which means they are in a lot of things. Then there's, you've probably heard this person's voice, and they are prominent, right? So, like, not only are they in a lot of things, but they are main characters or lead characters in a lot of things, right? (laughs) Then you have people like Steve Blum who are like, you've probably heard their voice. They're in a ton of things. They're in a lot of prominent roles, but also they're in a ton of anime too, which just, like, (laughs) blows the field wide open um, because for some reason – Um, And I'd be curious to know why this is. Not all of these super prolific actors are also in anime. The ones that are, though, do a lot of it. So there there clearly must be some significant difference between the two types of recording or performance or something oh, or maybe I it's always, just culture I, I have no idea
2: i always just assumed it's because anime is is always cheaper to produce like so it's like i don't think you make as i don't know if you necessarily make as much money oh. anime as you do so you're going to take on more projects more quickly to uh make up that money
0: interesting <laughs> that's okay. been, that's my so the people who aren't in it are maybe not doing it just because it's not paying as well and they don't quote have to
2: <laughs> yeah i think that's probably more like it i mean huh. i think culture kind of shifted i think i'm i'm basing that on my knowledge of like you know 2000s and, and late yeah. 90s anime knowledge sure. but because i know stuff has shifted now and it's got a lot more respect but i think i imagine it's probably kind of the same way i don't think they're given the same budget as a lot of higher profile projects and american projects are
0: gotcha i mean well speaking of like the respect that they get Steve Blum is the voice of Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop which to this day <laughs> is still considered one of the best English language dubs. Yep. Even among people who don't like dubs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, the amount of times I've heard like, "Oh, well I only watch subs except for Cowboy Bebop." Like <laughs> it's just it's 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 amazing. It's incredible. I mean yeah. that that clearly is significant. So
2: Yeah. Wow. Yes, like very iconic role too. So mm-hmm. if you don't know him by as that, you know him as uh, Roger Smith in The Big O, Mugen in Samurai Champloo, and many, 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 many other anime series and movies. And he's also done like some Marvel stuff, uh, Kikyo Makage and the Marvel anime properties, as well as Wolverine in Marvel anime X-Men, but not in Marvel anime Wolverine, weirdly. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I'm yeah, sure.
0: I, I don't know if that's because he was already playing the character Kikio Makage or if it's because they specifically already had somebody else in mind because he would have been playing Kikio first so if they were like well we don't want you playing two characters I guess I could understand that yeah but he's Wolverine in so many things such as Wolverine and the X-Men Superhero Squad the TV show Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes Ultimate Spider-Man and even more than that, that so lots and lots of wolverine for this guy
2: yeah yeah which makes sense he's a good he makes a good wolverine you can yeah. see that he's also zeb in star wars rebels which is alongside vanessa marshall he's Starscream in transformers prime alongside kevin michael richardson i mean you know he's in everything he's 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 in something you've seen <laughs> Yeah, probably
0: with everybody who's been on this show
2: <laughs> <laughs> actually that yeah that that checks out
0: yeah I, uh, I was joking earlier to Derek that I was going to make like a like a conspiracy yarn and pin map of like everybody who's been connected, but it would honestly just be like a solid color wall because everyone <laughs> is connected to everybody and it's, it's bonkers.
2: You would die. <laughs>
0: Speaking of the L word, if you've seen the L word, they do like a whiteboard who's connected to who by who's slept with whom and who's dated whom. It would look like that.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would look like gay culture okay yeah <laughs> <much>. actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh boy yep 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 oh man well enough about that so yeah this episode i'm curious it, when you were watching this okay this episode opens in the midst just right in midius rest with goblin battling spider-man at a fancy gala did you think you were like watching the wrong episode or like skip to the wrong one or did you um, kind of assume that it was just starting like that
0: i didn't think, I, I wasn't confused. I, I okay. figured that they were just making a choice to start in the middle of something. Sure. Um, I actually, I was expecting that and not expecting them to go back. What was confusing to me was just the fact that the last thing we saw was before the formal. So I did think it was strange that we weren't going to see the formal, but I also was like, well, I mean, there's probably a reason for it. Like maybe it's not that important and, mm-hmm. and they'll just reference it or it'll be like the next day at school or something like that. Cool. Um, so that's kind of what I thought when the episode started.
2: Cool, cool. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. Well, so it does start like that. It just starts with Spider-Man and the newly unveiled Green Goblin fighting in a fancy gala. They exchange a bunch of blows and witticisms. No idea how they got there. Lots of crazy stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. J. Jonah Jameson is there and getting hit with stuff. Like, yep. just it's just chaos. And then we just go right to the opening credits from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they definitely make you wonder, like, how, how do we get here? <laughs> Which is not just us, because we return from the credits to the gala scene, um, just long enough for Spider-Man to basically be like, "I'm gonna read this word for word," because it's like kind of like an old '90s, like. Uh, Like uh what's what I'm uh fourth wall break. Oh yeah. (laughs) Whereas like, how did night that started out so sweet go south so fast? And how'd I manage to leave my tux at tonight's other black tie affair? And then they flash back. And all I could think of was like Zach Morris like freezing everything (laughs) and being like, I bet you wonder how I got here or whatever. Or like Thor and Ragnarok.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like record scratch freeze frame. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little uh it's a little bit a little bit more heavy-handed than this. How usually is well,
0: yeah it is funny because <laughs> i uh i was thinking like what a strange thing for this show to do like yeah i just i i don't know why and i still don't really know why they did it it's it's handled well enough that like structurally it doesn't get messy or gross or anything the only thing i could think of there's two possibilities one mm-hmm. they did this because they needed just a little bit more time and so they show the same scene twice yeah but i can't imagine that was the reason so i think somebody was just having fun yeah
2: yeah i think i mean it's a, it's a it's a it's not an um, it's not an uncommon tactic. Like you can watch that on plenty of shows wh- yeah. where they'll use the teaser just to flash forward a bit just to I mean, it's, it makes sense as a tactic where it's sort of like hook your audience in immediately. They want to know, like, if it's like so completely off the wall and crazy and chaotic, they're going to be like, how the heck they end up here and stick with it. Right. I don't know if it was necessarily needed here. The, I don't I, think it is. Yeah, because especially because like I don't know. I mean, I I imagine the thought process is like Green Goblin is a big deal, is a bad guy, kind of the most ma- like of all of his, his. This is he's the first the first like major of the big three that have shown up. So yeah. it's sort of like oh oh whoa we're, Goblin what what's going on? But yeah, I, I guess
0: that's probably the meta right. Like yeah. if you throw in an iconic villain and you've gotten no exposition, you're gonna you're gonna wait around to figure out what happened and how we got there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. I don't, I, if I were doing it, I would have, I would have played it a little more straightforward, but you know, props for trying to do something a little bit different with your structure, I guess.
0: Yeah. And there, I, I do remember having a thought about why they might've done it and I don't remember it. So hopefully as we go through the episode, (laughs) I'll come back to it. Okay. <laughs> and I think when I was watching it, it hit me when we got to the scene again. So hopefully it'll hit me again. Cool. <laughs> TBD, guys.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we do flashback to earlier in the evening at the formal. We see Harry and his new popular crew arrive. As they arrive, there's a very... <laughs> There's like a very, very excited uh, girl there who's like, guys, oh, make my sure, gosh. make sure you, make sure you vote for the formal king and queen of the farm! Like, <laughs> oh my god, she's so
0: pumped. <laughs> Whose voice is that? That is somebody.
2: Um, I think that's. I want to say it's Gray Delisle. That's like, my guess like too. Because she almost, she sounded a lot like Sally, just without the accent. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, she's just like screaming it. Make sure you <laughs> vote. <laughs> it's so it's funny. really
0: funny. It's like so intense.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's not funny is as soon as you get there, Gwen and Eddie are already there. Gwen like greets Harry and Harry just ignores her. He doesn't even acknowledge Mm -hmm. her and is just like, hanging out with friends. He's like, Oh, Hey guys, let's get a photo. And she's just like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Like she makes a little, she makes a, she makes a little quip to try to like brush it off. Like, Oh, I guess his, I guess his uh, bow tie is just restricting his hearing and his, you know, ability to acknowledge his friends Uh, or whatever. It's so sad.
0: We see you. Humor you're using humor to cover your pain. Yeah. Yeah. And we get it. We see your pain.
2: <laughs> I think I think Eddie sees it too. Eddie yeah. sees it.
0: Oh too. yeah. Eddie definitely <laughs> sees it. Um it's actually kind of a bummer because like Gwen's sort of getting shat on like <laughs> these mm-hmm. past couple episodes. Um mm-hmm. I know that she hasn't been like a major focal point and so most of the instances that we do see she's sort of getting shot on just as a circumstance of that. So I'm hoping that we get an episode where she really gets some focus uh coming up soon. And in a I way know. that I'm not sad. <laughs> I
1: know. So uh
0: we'll 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 see on that front. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh as Harry and his his new crew are taking their photo, um is like telling this story, he's like really preoccupied with where they're going to go afterwards and the gold flakes or whatever that they put on food or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't really know what happens when his entire friend group suddenly, like, stops responding and all their <laughs> jaws hit the floor. And he's like, wait a second, what's, what's happening? Turns around to realize that Peter Parker has arrived with the redheaded bombshell Mary Jane Watson, uh-huh. which no one saw coming.
2: Nope. Nope. One little detail I appreciate. I like that Mary Jane is like slightly taller than Peter is. And granted, she's like in heels. So she's yeah. probably like the same height. I mean, it makes sense because Peter is like a pretty short 16 year old mm-hmm. kid. So, but I, I just appreciate it because that's never the norm. The girl is always so much shorter than like the hulking mass of yeah. a human superhero. So I like that it's switched up this time.
0: Yeah, and and not to dive too deep into this, I really appreciate just in general that they make Peter sort of smaller and scrawnier, even when Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. Spider-Man, probably because we're so used to looking at the shape of Spider-Man's body in the 90s show and in (laughs) Amazing Friends. His body shape doesn't change when he's Spider-Man. He's still sort of scrawny acrobat build. So, yes I, I like that.
2: So we get to the Daily Bugle, which is this is the same night as Rhino's uh Rhino's Rampage, so it's still like just in shambles. But they're trying to put the pieces together. Ned Lee, who has been changed from Ned Lee Ned Leeds to Ned Lee, um, I think he's supposed to be Korean, if I remember correctly. Oh, cool. Yeah, which was I guess they just figured why not just change the last name to kind of make it a slightly more in the Asian direction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. So anyway, he's there pitching an expose on Spider-Man to Jamie basically wanting to find out who spider-man is like whose identity is which makes sense they're reporters mm-hmm. but what i really love is that jameson is like not interested in that he's just like yeah. if spidey gets unmasked and he's just like a, a guy like that's that's a lot less interesting than being right. this mysterious vigilante that people are going to want to always read about so he doesn't want to run with it which is really cool mm-hmm. and kind of uh, i feel like runs a little bit i guess it doesn't necessarily run counter to like most versions of jameson but like it's a cool little uh little little thing to add to it because it does make a lot of sense.
0: I I actually think it makes more sense than the typical Jameson reaction because there's Mm -hmm. something about Spider-Man that makes Jameson just lose his mind and think differently than he otherwise would. He's a journalist, but everything that he does with Spider-Man just flies in the face of good journalism. You know what I mean? And so unmasking him would be sort of in line with traditional journalism. So it wouldn't make sense for him to be into that. He wants to squeeze every single ounce (laughs) out of Spider-Man. And, you know, like you explained it, the moment he's unmasked, like no one cares anymore.
2: Right. And the the segue for this is, is also pretty good because he's like, which is an ordinary guy. No one cares about ordinary, ordinary guys, which is when <laughs> his son, Colonel John Jameson arrives. And it's just like, well, I'm great. They care about me. Uh, yeah. now, doesn't say it like that, but that's basically what the implication is, um, because he is great. He's actually pretty awesome. Yeah. He arrives to greet Jonah. Um, I think they uh, they have a little bit of like a a little bit exposition where like uh, he's going to be on his first uh, like shuttle off off uh, off the planet probably in 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 orbit or something. In one
0: week they say yes, which I mean I don't really know what that means in showtime since these two episodes happen over the course of one. Day. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But you better believe that my ears perked up when I said he was going <laughs> into space. Hmm. Especially because they've now introduced mm. yet another character that <laughs> could be in the Venom slot. There are a few. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and I like that they continue to complicate the possibilities. Mm. I still think my official prediction is that it'll just be Eddie, but again, I'm open to the fact that there are other mm. possibilities yeah and excited about the other possibilities
2: yes yes um but anyway yeah so anyway because of that jonah wants to kind of treat his son to one one more night on the town before he leaves the planet Uh, So just kind of fun of note another instance of the same actor talking to himself because john jameson is also voiced by darren norris which is kind of obvious but it's fun because you get to really see how much of a voice darren norris is putting on for jonah Mm -hmm. because it is a lot more like gravelly and like angry and older whereas john jameson is just like his regular voice a guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is still like darren norris has a a very distinct voice so you can still tell it's him but it's still funny hearing them play off of each other because they do a lot in this episode
0: so after they kind of have their conversation and meet up and sort of catch up the jamesons that is they head out of the daily bugle leaving robbie and ned and i believe betty's there too behind and robbie out of earshot of jameson basically tells ned like you know what Pursue the Spider-Man story. Stick with that. It's good. Which I like. I'm interested to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. The fact that Robbie is basically like overruled Jameson <laughs> on this assignment. <laughs> and the fact that that there's like a commissioned reporter who's assigned to try to figure out who Spider-Man is. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And that it's Ned Lee is not insignificant.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: So they plant that seed.
2: That seed has been planted. Yes. Now uh, back at the dance, when Peter is uh, well, Peter begins showing off and kind uh, of introducing his beautiful date, Mary Jane. So of course, Gwen, who he like isn't even really again isn't really like, acknowledging at all. Like no one's talking to poor Gwen. Yeah. Does he even say hi to her? I don't think he does. I, I don't think th- so. I really don't. I think I think we're getting both Peter and Harry are just so obsessed with like impressing the popular crowd that Gwen just gets left behind again. Mm Mm-hmm. So she becomes upset, visibly upset. She shares with Eddie, like, oh, Peter told me he wasn't coming at all. I guess he just meant he wasn't coming with me, which which is is freaking devastating. Oh, Oh my my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Peter, just text Uh... your fucking friends. Oh, my God. And
0: this is, you know, this is Peter's fault because at first he was under the understanding that Harry was going to take Gwen. Harry has already told Peter that he is not, well... I guess they delivered the news at the same time.
2: Yeah, but why didn't Peter, but why didn't Peter be like, oh, I thought you were going with Gwen. Like yeah. the, neither of them had Gwen crossed their minds at all. Oh, and that's so much
0: worse. It's so much
2: worse. She didn't even occur to them. And he and he apparently uh. just hasn't talked to her like, <laughs> like since then, you know? Yeah, I mean, after I guess,
0: apologizing and her being super <sighs> cool about it.
2: Yeah, hasn't talked to her at all. Oh. And the only, the only like, slight reprieval that we get is that what Peter thought he was dateless. He did try to call Gwen, but she had already, she, he he was like, Oh, she's not home. Probably assuming she wasn't going when she'd actually gone to the dance. Um, but of course we know he was only calling her because she was going to be like his second, (laughs) like his, his, uh, (laughs) his like, it's like, I don't know, like his sloppy seconds basically, you know? Yeah. His consolation
0: prize considering he's treating women like trophies. Yes.
2: Yes. That's exactly what it is. And it's infuriating. Oh, God, It's it makes me so mad, man. Yeah. Uh.
0: I cannot wait for whatever's coming his way.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> the way that Eddie looks at him, that scowl mm-hmm. that he gives him, it's like, ooh. ooh. Well, I mean, this is
0: obviously like at least one point in the direction of like Eddie becoming a villain. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is all my mind is doing right now is like all the different people that could end up with the symbiote and all the different <laughs> reasons why it might matter. This scowl is is rough because you know eddie eddie has not completely closed up the sort of like uh his hurt feelings with peter the last time they interacted uh that we got to see he was like i still need space man like i i'm open to uh to being friends but like just chill for a sec this is not a good thing for him to witness before they have had their come to jesus moment
2: (laughs) yeah you know what's really funny about this too i kept track of this on my second watch Mm -hmm. But I think it's worth bringing up here because we're talking a lot about Eddie. He doesn't have a single line in this entire episode. He never speaks a word. Wait, really? Gwen Gwen talks to him. He makes facial reactions. Ben Diskin is even in the episode voicing other characters. He voices one of the Goblin's henchmen. Eddie himself never says anything.
0: I guess I didn't realize it because the two episodes either. are over the course of like the two episodes run into each other. So mm-hmm. I guess I just figured the stuff he was saying in the first one bled into this one. But
2: wow, that's yeah. weird. He he makes such an impression and he has such a yeah. presence to it. And, and you still, you're kind of tricked because Gwen is always talking to him. She has right. funny lines, yeah. but like he, he never says anything back. He just like scowls. You know what?
0: <laughs> That just means that Eddie is totally comfortable listening. He doesn't have to be talking. He can engage just by being an active listener. Sure. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. He's also totally going to pummel Peter later. That's for sure. (laughs) I think, i don't know if he crushes a cup but he he crushes the spirit of the cup (laughs) yes yes he's so mad
2: (laughs) he's not the one who does the cup crushing in this episode right soon enough (laughs) but but it's a similar energy (laughs) yes yes well um after
0: after Gwen sort of sees this and storms off and we get the scowl um, from Eddie, we see that Peter then is introducing Mary Jane to the popular crowd. He was initially introducing her to his professor, which is actually like kind of sweet, yeah, but you know turns to impressing the popular crowd, of course. This sort of sets off the beginning of Mary Jane just like dunking on everyone um, <laughs> like she doesn't know any of these people. <laughs> I I definitely am excited for the future of this Mary Jane. This episode's Mary Jane is so bizarre and weird. <laughs> so weird. Because it's a lot of like Yas Queen and like snapping enthusiasm. Like she's not doing any of it. This is like reacting to the things she's yes. doing. Like she's just dunking left and right. Yeah, But that's that's literally all she does in this episode which is so funny it's so
2: funny and it's only on people that deserves it to deserve it because she's yeah. nice she has nice to some people but yeah. it's like as soon as she re- like she gets clued in like oh you're the popular crowd oh you're the in crowd Ooh, mm-hmm. you're the ones with two bigs of egos i've got to do something about well this. and she's even <laughs> able she's
0: very socially savvy we see because she's even able to sort of distinguish pretty quickly like who in the in crowd is worth yeah. sort of pursuing a relationship with and who is not. Right. Um, we'll see later. This isn't really an important detail timeline wise, but she does end up bonding with glory who is one of the better of the in crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, you know, she's, she's picking up everything very, very quickly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's very, uh, very like intuitive and, and, and astute. Yeah. Yes. It's cool. I dig it. I dig it.
0: <laughs> yes. So Eddie, uh, not Eddie, Pfft. Uh, so Flash ends up bringing up the bet, obviously. I think what's funny about this is hes he seems to be trying to do the thing in the rom-com where it's like, oh I didn't think you'd be able to find a girl to pay $20 to to go to the dance with, and then like everything falls apart Yeah, it's like
2: you only did this for money like he's trying yeah. to do that he's literally trying to do the moment in she's all that where she's like am I a yes. bet am I a fucking bet yes <laughs> Like yes. that's, that's what exactly was what
0: he's trying to do and it doesn't work because Mary Jane like everything is water off a duck's back to Mary Jane and she's always ready so she's like <laughs> oh what is it that uh, what is it that you won in the bet or whatever the case may be and they explain that you know the loser had to dress like a cheerleader for Halloween. And Mary Jane turns to Flash and says, Well, big boy, I hope you've got the legs for the skirt. <laughs> like Mrs. No Beats.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Oh, and man, these she's are all like people she's on... never met before. I know. <laughs> So while this is going on, Harry offers Glory some punch, uh, which she accepts, but when he returns with the two glasses, he sees Kenny is shown up in like Fuck in like Kenny. one of the, uh, Seriously, seriously, in I'm, one of those I'm stupid so over Kenny. <laughs> in one of those stupid like t-shirt tuxedos that like boys oh. wear. Shows up with a single rose. Apologizing to Glory. Like, I didn't even say anything. She's just like, I'm sorry, take me back. And Glory yeah. is like, Oh, Kenny. Like, Glory, what are you doing, girl? Like, yeah, what? I'm, ugh,
0: fuck Kenny, they, but I'm like mad at Glory. <laughs> Glory, like, 90% of the time, is amazing. This is like, ugh, what What are you doing?
2: The only thing the only thing I can guess, which I hate guessing this because they're sixteen, is that they're Mm -hmm. already sleeping together and he's like a really good lay and she's just into it. Like that's literally the only explanation at this point. I don't understand because she seems so smart and savvy otherwise.
0: He better be good at a certain set of things, because (laughs) I cannot imagine what else she would be so excited to keep him around for.
2: (laughs) I know. I know. and if so,
0: good for you, Kenny, but also fuck you, Kenny.
2: Seriously, God he's Sucks so much, which I hate because he was my favorite character in the Ultimate Spider Man comics, but he sucks here so. Much.
0: He really does suck.
2: <laughs> the result of this is that Harry sees this. He he gets so pissed and like upset that he crushes the drinks in his hand. <laughs> which let's just say the drinks were purple. He's wearing a green tuxedo, so there's a green and purple thing going on. Ooh, wonder what that could mean. Oh,
0: <laughs> I remembered my theory on why they structured the episode the way that they do. And it sort of plays into this a little bit. So Uh, Harry gets pissed, right? We see mm -hmm. the purple drink. We see the green tuxedo. And then he ends up running out of the the auditorium or whatever, the gymnasium, to his locker. And we see him pull out a vial labeled Oscorp Globulin Green number 994. Mm -hmm. And he chugs the sucker down, right? Yup. Okay. First question before I get into why I think maybe they structured (laughs) it the way that they did. Where did he get this? Did we see this? Did I forget this? Nope.
2: You have not seen anything. I think this is just like the, the, the moment in the last episode where it's just like, what the hell is going on okay. with Harry right now? No, this is okay. the first introduction to it i think it's meant to be confusing and shocking and 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 okay. you want to know what's happening I was
0: gonna say like i feel like as a result of talking about this like i paid pretty <laughs> close attention yeah um but i was like i am at an absolute loss as to where he got this from okay so yeah. that's fine cool and
2: i mean the obvious connection is like this is the episode where you introduce green goblin harry is drinking something called globulin globulin green like yes you can see what they're doing right like right. it makes sense i mean i think yeah but the mystery so, is like how are all these connecting where did he get this what does he know what is he doing
0: but that's why i think maybe they structured this episode the way that they did because that mystery will continue to jump ahead just a moment there is never in this episode a moment when we see harry osborne change into the green goblin or change out of the green goblin right and i do think that showing the green goblin fully costumed at the beginning allows for the mystery to be stronger because if we started with that we would have started at the dance we would have seen a traditional build-up of harry gets mad harry takes this potion green goblin appears green goblin is defeated you know we see harry again like it would have been more traditional Mm -hmm. i think the fact that we see i know timeline wise it doesn't really matter but the fact that we see him green goblin that is removed from that traditional journey i think makes us question just a little bit more than we would have before. That makes a lot of sense. If you're really paying attention, you do recognize the fact that we don't ever actually see him suit up. So you could have had the question... But I do think they they start off with the, wait a second, how did Green Goblin get here? Who is he? They put all the questions in your brains first, and then they get into it. That's what my right. theory was. Yeah,
2: though that makes a lot of sense because then you're, instead of just like seeing this, yeah, like you are saying, instead of seeing this buildup of Harry and then being like, oh, there, there's Green Goblin now. Oh, you're, yeah. you're introducing Green Goblin first, and then you're looking for all the signs for what could lead up to Green Goblin in everything that you're watching. And you're, yeah, you're ultimately paying more attention to everything. Harry does because Norman doesn't appear at all in this episode so the only potential goblin culprit that you can pay attention to is Harry yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense it help, kind of helps you track everything that's going on yeah that's, well, and I that's, think that's it makes cool. it
0: harder for the, the it makes it harder for you to just be like rewarded where you're like oh okay Harry's mad Harry took that thing and yeah okay there it is obviously Green Goblin's there Green Goblin is Harry like you're, you've, you've already questioned it
2: <laughs> right fascinating fascinating
0: someday uh maybe we'll get an answer. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we cut to Dr. Octavius' lab. And he's talking to himself. He's like, you're afraid of your own shadow. Next time you'll be seeing gremlins in the machinery or little green men. And what do you know? That's when (laughs) (laughs) right on cue, (laughs) right on cue. The green goblin flies uh, into the lab on a glider, which uh, Dr. Octavius immediately answering a lot of questions, getting some exposition out of the way. Really brilliantly. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, that's Mr. Osborne's tech flight glider, which I think tech flight is what Adrian Toomes specifically referred to his Voltron analogy as. So this is what Osborne basically stole from Tombs, has converted it into the glider and the goblin stole and or owns, depending on what, who he is, <laughs> um, yep. somehow got a hold of Osborne's tech flight glider, um, yes. which he just flies out through the window, which I love how much just information and like little nuggets and clues that they're just like throwing out there for you without yeah. it being awkward at all. It works perfectly.
0: And you know I'm I'm willing to admit that after we had recorded the episode with the vulture after all that was said and done it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, the reason he pointed out that it's hover technology is because it's going to be Osborne's <laughs> and it just yeah. didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> it's great. That, that was the it. significance of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I love how, oh, I love how interconnected it all is. And it's yeah. so, it's so natural. Oh my it's, God. It's so good. It's really
0: good. I hope <laughs> I want these guys to like teach a class on storytelling.
2: Yeah. Oh dude. <laughs> yes. <sighs> well, um, The
0: goblin, you know, crashes through a window, flies off. We get no answers about him, just information about, you know, the technology and and, uh, where that's coming from, so... We cut away to a location we've never seen before, and one that I guess doesn't really matter that much, but um, it's a beat-up apartment somewhere in New York, um, and there are three crooks we've never seen before attempting to pry open a safe. One of them says to another one that the big man will be expecting a cut, so, like, get to it, which kind of reveals who they work for and their allegiances, um, which will matter because before they can get the safe open, Green Goblin crashes through the wall and says hi I'm the green goblin and now you will be loyal to me and they're like we can't do that because we're loyal to someone else and that someone else will kill us <laughs> green goblin basically says or I could kill you and that pretty much convinces them <laughs> It's a quick well, scene, but it's like a way for Green Goblin to sort of amass a crew. And also yeah. sort of what's nice about it is it it also informs a little bit of Green Goblin's character, even though it doesn't give us any background, right? Yes. So we get a little bit out of his personality. We at least understand that he's savvy about how the world of crime in New York works. Like, okay, so... Big whoop. He can kill you. I can also kill you. Like, you're stuck here. You know, like, you're already in a position to be loyal to a crime lord. Be loyal to me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yes, that's it's great. I like I dig it. I dig I dig this version of Goblin a lot. I like that like in his imme- first immediate appearance, as far as we know, this is this is the birth of Goblin. This could be the first day he's ever been Green Goblin. Who knows? We yes. don't have any indication. Yeah, and he uh-huh. just and, but he just he doesn't even have to really try. Like it's just yeah. so seamless for him and he just immediately amasses mm-hmm. like a crew, like you said. Like it's it just Uh, I just, I like that, 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 um, I like how Goblin is, is portrayed as just so formidable so quickly without it really having to be a big deal, you know, like he just kind of shows up and he's just really good at everything he does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a bravado about it that he never has to really prove. And Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe again, part of that is just throwing us into that scene where he's already fucking shit up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. we're going to show him as formidable. We're going to show him beating the crap out of Spider-Man. And that's that's your proof that this guy knows what he's doing.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, I, I, you know, I also like that they're kind of doing this sort of agent of chaos thing with him that you see with the Joker a lot. And, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure versions of the Green Goblin in the comics were like that. But, I mean, this they were producing this or making this before Dark Knight came out and kind of made that the popular thing to do. Mm, yeah, And I feel like it's handled really well here because he's – he is kind of a very, like, that, that kind of agent of chaos kind of thing, but he's a very, very good planner, clearly. It's, like,
0: a smarter, savvier, more polished version of what I think Hobgoblin was doing in the 90s show. Yeah. Um, Hobgoblin, like, really falls apart in that. And, of course, you can, like, listen to our full thoughts because we had a lot of them. <laughs> I don't anticipate that this goblin would fall apart in the same way because he just seems more capable.
2: Yeah. Yes, definitely.
0: And has goals. <laughs> that, have, uh, uh, that, that matter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that makes a difference. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. Uh, well, elsewhere downtown, we cut back to that gala. It's pre battle this time, but we learned that it's actually a benefit hosted by Lincoln. We also learned that this is where Jonah and his son John were headed. Unfortunately for John, he's like, I was just hoping we could just say, I'll have a couple of steaks between yeah. you, and you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Rare steaks, specifically. Yeah. But, you know, Jonah's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, cool. We don't need to be here. I think he's like, um, um, Lincoln's got enough of the bugle's money so he's just like gonna bail yeah (laughs) right before they can the gal is unfortunately interrupted by those three cooks now wearing these jack-o'-lantern masks fully in the green goblin thing um Mm -hmm. and of course green goblin himself shows up
0: yes i like that um (laughs) i like that the one uh like of the trio that's a woman like has just a bow on her mask for no reason really (laughs) like it's so dumb like here was my journey i was like did they really put a bow on her mask? And then I was like, I I love that they put a bow on her mask. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, if you're going to be a henchman, any little thing that makes you stand out is hilarious. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like, like one of those things not? where it's sort of like, well, that's, that's a stupid, like kind of like archaic, like sexy, yeah. sexist thing kind of to do. But then it's also like, it's a bow on a jack-o'-lantern head. That's actually, like, amazing. Right, and
0: they're, they're <laughs> characters that are not of importance, like, almost whatsoever. Yeah. So if you're ever going to do some sort of, like, archaic gender assignment, like, this is the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I didn't mention this, um, but as long as we're talking about, like, character design, I actually really, really, really like this Green Goblin design. Yeah! Um, I like it a lot, and I don't know necessarily why. I mean, I guess maybe just because it fits into this aesthetic that I already kind of dig. But, uh, again, he's another character that they have not felt compelled to buff up or fill out in any sort of way like they mm-hmm. really commit to the idea that he's sort of gobliny or elven uh at, yeah. at one point you know he gets called the emerald elf but yeah i, I like it I, I i really dig this design
2: yeah, it's fascinating because they just take the very standard green Goblin design and then just like make it like medieval armor kind of yeah <laughs> which is it's such an interesting choice but it I mean like you said it makes sense for like the kind of elven thing yeah but it's a very creative choice and not one I've ever seen done anywhere else so
0: yeah because it's it's less um it's less intimidating in the sort of conventional I exude power type of way and more in line with that agent of chaos sort of mysterious element where it's like this Mm -hmm. guy like who's Mm -hmm. this guy and i dig that
2: yes yes i dig it a lot yeah well so he uh he introduces himself to the gala the green goblin does i should say um and declares he is looking for the big man um goblin confronts lincoln demanding that he step down lincoln of course like as usual is kind of deflecting like i don't know who big man who what Mm -hmm. and uh lincoln's men attempt to restrain the goblin but at that, uh, that prompts the green goblins to just start terrorizing the gala, um, doing that goblin, doing the goblin thing, just throwing mm-hmm. bombs everywhere. What's, what's your feelings on, on his bombs? Like, the, the, the scream sound effect that they make and, like, the green gas oh. of them? Because that's basically what it is. Instead of it yeah. being explosions, it's like a green scream thing that still is <laughs> technically an explosion the way it does, does yeah. stuff, but... I want to say it's their way around like S&P rules and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I hadn't given it a ton of thought. I like the design of the pumpkin bombs. That's one thing that I, I remember noting just because I think he like at one point throws one directly at the camera so you get a good look at it. Yeah. But I didn't give a ton of thought to the sound. Um, I, I can't recall necessarily what it sounds like. So I guess it, I don't know. I'll, well, I'll have to go back, I guess.
2: Didn't make enough of an impact on you. That's, I think yeah. it's, like, you know, that's how it is.
0: Yeah, I what did make an impact on me though, as far as his equipment goes, is I his his finger gun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. It, so it's funny. Maybe because the pumpkin bombs were the sort of like the the thing I'm most used to. It didn't make much of an impact, but the finger gun I love because we saw in the '90s show he started off with just like this corny gun, and this <laughs> he's like literally giving people like finger guns, but like. <laughs> destructive ones (laughs) (laughs) and then he has like his um he has basically i mean not batarangs but like you know the goblin version of that the ones that we get the cool matrix shot of in spider-man one he's got those too and i i I like the design of those as well
2: oh yeah Um, but i can't get
0: over the finger gun that's so funny (laughs) it's It's so good (laughs) it's also kind of like a funny parallel to spider-man you know like spider-man's web shooters are like you have to hit them this specific way with this specific hand motion (laughs) that's pretty much what the finger guns seem to be (laughs) which is (laughs) i don't know very uh, i just it's so it's so goofy now imagine imagine one of the faces of the episode from our last episode where hammerhead is like doing the a but he has destructive finger guns
2: (laughs) dude i love it Uh. (laughs) oh that's funny well (laughs) while this is going on um so john jameson does attempt to intervene um and he's shot by the goblin with those finger guns um, which is pretty shocking actually yes they're not fatal obviously but you know they're obviously hurting him pretty bad
0: yeah jonah questions that i'm just gonna wait for answers on
2: sure (laughs) sure
0: but i just want to point out for those of you who are tracking my first viewing that Mm -hmm. that did not go unnoticed that john jameson gets shot in this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: yeah. um so jonah this is is hilarious so jonah calls robbie you know he's calling robbie about it telling him this is the green goblin there blah 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 on his very
0: cool bluetooth headset
2: oh yeah yeah that's kind of forgot (laughs) yeah yeah very trendy jonah (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but he's like don't send a reporter i'm just gonna do it myself save some money (laughs) um but he still demands parker to get here because You know, Parker always takes pictures of weirdos and masks and stuff. I love that. This is right up his alley. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then he ends it with just like, oh, and uh, I guess call the police while you're at it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Why not? Whatever. (laughs) They're not making me money.
0: So this does cut pretty much directly to the dance where Peter receives the call from Robbie. While he's on the phone, this is where, you know, I mentioned MJ and Glory sort of bond. We do get one line where Glory shares that Midtown High has a very prestigious theater program. So I'm guessing that, you know, I'm guessing Mary Jane's going to enter the picture as a transfer student or will continue to be intertwined in some way through that um, opening. TBD, I guess. Um, And uh, Peter returns to basically say like, Hey, Mary Jane, I'm sorry. I got to leave. My boss is calling me. I could get fired if I don't go. And then Curveball, she's totally cool with it. Yeah. Curveball for us. Curveball for Peter. <laughs> she's totally chill. She's like, whatever. I'm at a dance with a bunch of strangers, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which ends up being, you know, another opportunity for MJ to dunk. Uh, Because Sally's like, oh, my gosh, you just got ditched by Parker. And MJ, again, no beats missed, is like, well, that's true. I guess I'll just have to find someone else to dance with. And then. (laughs) Oh, God, I love this so much. I love this. uh, She turns to Rand and says, it's Randy, right? And instead of correcting her, he says, very. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: i cannot in believe in his girlfriend i cannot believe they got that <laughs> past censors mm-hmm. if you don't know like what randy means just google like randy british slang it's
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's such a good joke it yep. is such a good joke i'm i mean just amazed
0: isn't that like a thing in austin powers like if you've seen those movies i feel like you know what it means oh yeah i think so yeah <laughs> i mean
2: look I just uh, I'm just in awe of what they're able to do (laughs) Look, he can't he can't land on land on buildings with pigeons and he can't like he can't necessarily punch people uh, or say kill Mm -hmm. but people can be very Randy
0: yes They sure can. I think, well, they got this one in, um, and maybe this one got through because uh, in the in the apartment scene where they're trying to open the safe, the one guy doesn't respond to blow it up with blow yourself, which he very easily could have done. True, true. So this was – maybe they pitched both jokes and they said you oh, get one. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, well, back at the gala – Uh, So Lincoln asks Green Goblin specifically what he wants. And the Goblin says he wants to take over Lincoln's empire. uh, Presumably taking Lincoln for the big man himself. Um, Well,
0: you could see where my head was at when I wrote that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, basically he knows Lincoln is the big man, which we know he is also the big man. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man arrives. Lincoln shares that the Goblin isn't one of his goons. So Spider-Man's like. Okay, despite all the confusion over who I align with, given these right. circumstances, he's going to confront the goblin since he's the one throwing bombs, people holding him hostage. Luster of two evils, he's probably the one to stop compared, mm-hmm. to, compared to Tombstone. Well,
0: and Peter's <laughs> in a weird place where like he fully believes and kind of knows that Tombstone is a bad guy, but the general public doesn't. This is yeah. a very similar circumstance to a traditional kingpin where he's publicly a philanthropist. So you can't really attack him publicly so it actually i mean it's a good thing this isn't his reasoning for not going after tombstone but it's a Mm -hmm. good thing that ultimately he doesn't right because he'd just be seen as spider-man attacking a philanthropist yeah
2: for the (laughs) second time yeah not good (laughs) yeah yeah so and they battle and this catches us up with the uh with the opening scene yes yes so they, they don't show the whole thing luckily they just show a snippet of it so no time wasted. Back at the dance, <laughs> the the the, <laughs> the girl. Weird. It's all so weird. <laughs> also weird. Um, people did vote for king and queen of the ball. Mm-hmm. Flash Thompson is voted king, which understandable makes sense. The queen is the, verbatim. The principal reads out, uh, also questioning this like we are. The mm-hmm. red haired girl who came with Peter Parker. <laughs> which how okay? What?
0: <laughs> she even eligible? <laughs> I know. Everyone seriously this is a co-ed school how is she even allowed at this dance i know
2: and it's like it's that it would have to be a write-in vote because you knew that they had the nominees beforehand Uh so that people did not write in someone stuffed the ballot box like definitely
0: and it could have been one gwen stacy because (gasps) despite this outcome upsetting the popular girls Gwen Stacy turns to Eddie and basically says, you know what, this is petty, but I actually kind of get a little bit of enjoyment out of uh, Flash (laughs) Thompson being crowned next to Peter's date. (laughs) Yeah. Which at first... I don't know about you, but at first I thought she was basically saying like, um, you know, this is petty, but I'm I'm finding joy in like the popular girls not getting picked. But then mm-hmm. I realized like, no, that's not what she's saying. She's just enjoying the fact that Peter's date is like queen and he is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Like yeah. his date is, is next to Flash.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Oof. Gwen definitely I mean, I don't blame her for being petty. She's got a yeah. she's got a spiteful side, but well, she I calls it would, out.
0: She calls yeah. herself petty. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I'm right there with her though. Yeah. <laughs> Peter gets, yeah. What uh, mm. well, gets what he deserves. Well, he gets <laughs> a little bit, not yeah. at the end. But As you know. she
0: understands it, he's getting what he deserves. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> any little win for Gwen I'm, I'm here for. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we end up cutting back to the fight between Spider-Man and Green Goblin at the gala. Um, it goes on for actually quite a while. Um, I don't know that there are any sort of like significant developments in there, but um, it sort of ends up with Spider-Man hopping onto the glider with Goblin, which pretty pretty traditional type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Goblin doesn't shake him off right away he actually tells his new employees his henchmen to hold down the fort until he comes back because he flies out the window and decides that's when he's going to drop spider-man um so very strategic on his part yeah instead of dropping him on the floor i'll drop him to the ground (laughs) (laughs) um and he's successful in shaking spidey off more so even than he probably expected because we learn that spider-man's web shooters have run out of web fluid Yes, Uh, uh, many, uh, many, uh. many
2: stories up yep yep never seen that happen before yeah um, <laughs> at least this show doesn't do it too much so it's not it even cuts a to a commercial
0: egregious. like at this moment so yeah. you're like
2: oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a very 90s show thing to do for it mm-hmm. but it's not super egregious no. and it, it gets resolved pretty quickly it's a fake out he falls through the air past through of a businessman who are disgusting spider repellent <laughs> yes <laughs> um, yes ooh, but um also
0: there was like I don't know how much you examined this scene but there's mm-hmm like five guys like sitting around a table all looking like rather bored or whatever and then like one guy looking at this spider repellent Mm -hmm. and then my eyes of course go directly to this like plate of donuts sitting in the middle of the table did you see this no like have this plate of donuts and i'm just like very inspired like all i want now are donuts and i see this future (laughs) where like you know like i'm surrounded by donuts but i see a future where i where Doug's eaten 93 donuts today and everything is good. Um, And then it cuts away and I'm like very mad.
2: (laughs) Like, I think we need
0: more donuts in this show. And you Mm -hmm. gave them to me for half a second.
2: I think you have a problem, but sure.
0: (laughs) I don't think so. I think it's totally natural to be Ooh. completely enraptured by a plate of donuts in the middle of an episode of Spider-Man.
2: Sure, donuts do sound good right now. Um, yes, let's just stop recording and go get donuts. How about that? All right, bye everyone. <laughs> bye.
0: <laughs> You'll never know the identity of anyone.
2: <laughs> Rate, right, review, and subscribe. Uh, go to <laughs> <on> Patreon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> But I did think that that cutscene was very funny. And they it they include little things here and there like that, and I, yeah. I enjoy them.
2: It helps flesh out the world a lot for yes, sure. Yes, um, I,
0: I do pause on them too.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you never know what kind of crazy like background stuff, background yeah. jokes they're gonna have like in it,
0: like a distracting plate of donuts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> spider-man does get a web cartridge from his belt obviously his web cartridges are like um they're just like silver little like squares Mm -hmm. um interestingly um but he replaces it real quick just in time to swing to safety before hitting the ground but unlike like every other time this kind of stuff ever happens goblin wasn't just like i'm sure he landed and died (laughs) he doesn't mistake him for dead and continues to actually pursue him he actually watches what happens to spider-man
0: Wow. I mean, like, I'm not, like, rooting for the villains, but, like, wh- good job.
2: <laughs> it automatically puts him, like, a tier above uh-huh. most other villains Spider-Man has ever fought across every show. <laughs> yeah, if this is his
0: first day on the scene. Like, he's top tier. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So they continue their confrontation, of course. Um, they swing glad glide all through the city. Lots of stuff happens in this fight. It's a very good mid-air fight between them. Goblins tossing tons of these pumpkin bombs at random buildings. Um, so in other case, like people are probably dying this time, but <laughs> we'll just ignore that.
0: It's uh, nighttime, so hopefully they're like, hopefully he's only hitting like office buildings, sure, you know, and not hitting Robbie's office because Robbie yeah. works at night, apparently.
2: Yeah, and there's um, no cleaning crew damage. at any. Yeah, no cleaning crew at any of these buildings either at night. <laughs> totally yeah, hopefully, <laughs> God. <laughs> They also uh, traverse through a high rise construction site, which uh, there's a really cool moment where, like, he does a backflip over the entire building as his glider crashes through the entire building and goes out the other side and lands on the glider. Um, They
0: even sort of, like, slow mo it a little bit where it's like, (laughs) just be in awe of this moment, everyone.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, it's beautiful. And Spidey's response is the same as ours. He's just, wow, just. Wow,
0: <laughs> I love that they pause long enough to let him do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, because it's yeah. so
0: extra, and they just—I'm glad they acknowledge how extra it is. <laughs>
2: yep. Now, the, the the kind of like um, next moment of this is when Goblin tries to stab Spidey from behind with his glider, um, like he's wont to do. Spider Man mm-hmm. does manage to backflip away and and web him up from behind um, to. What he thinks is defeating him, and he does temporarily yes. defeat him for a second. But uh, but Goblin's kind of um, backup plan here—not even really a backup plan. It's probably his plan all along. Yeah. He reveals that he left a bomb back at the gala, um, which Spider-Man can't. You know, Spider-Man has to take it at face value. He can't risk it, so he has to run away, run away to stop it from detonating and killing the crowd. Which. We can assume what Goblin's going to probably do while right. Spider-Man's away. <laughs>
0: yep. I will say, even before I heard Goblin's plan here, I was like, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, you're going to need more web. <laughs> it's like a really weak spider web net you just built.
2: That <laughs> seems to be a trend, like the same way that he tried to web up Sandman with like very yeah. thin strands. Like yeah, What was that? <laughs> I know you're probably, you're poor, you're trying to conserve your web fluid, but... Come on man. Like... Yeah. Remember how you
0: remember how you tried to use your web to like to to get Rhino's hands to stay together? Use that much web. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's worth
2: it. Right. Right. That's why you got it man. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: an investment in not seeing these criminals again.
2: <laughs> yes. yes so spidey does go back um when he arrives he's of course met by goblins goons but he's like dude if, the, if a bomb explodes you're gonna die too like do you yeah. do you really want to die you don't want to die
0: yeah he doesn't care about you he's willing <laughs> to let you blow up <laughs>
2: right so um so he does convince them to scram um and with lincoln's assistance does kind of um he he also is like do, do, do you really is your life really worth the green goblin like really
0: yeah
2: um so spidey and lincoln are basically working together which is spidey's like worst nightmare yep um
0: (laughs) i like that that sort of building i like that there's this i actually really like that everybody digs lincoln and there's this frustrated element of, you know, Peter doesn't trust him. And so anytime they're working together, it's natural to everybody. But he's like, oh, God, he got me again. Like, <laughs> right, right. Oh, He's been so helpful.
2: <laughs> it makes and it makes sense because, you know, he's got to be wor- used to working overtime looking like a good person because of like how he, you know, that oh, yeah. he looks like a total monster normally. So oh, he's know, just right? like really good at playing people every <laughs> way that he can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, this this works in getting the um, goons away, which then allows for everybody else to scatter from the room. So everybody's able to evacuate, including Jonah and John. But John has this sort of moment of clarity where he remembers the goblin swinging from the chandelier. And so he's like, oh, my gosh, I got to tell Spider-Man that that's that's probably what he's looking for. So John runs back up. The stairs, much to uh, Jonah's <laughs> chagrin, um, of course, which is fair. He thinks that he thinks his son's going to get blown up. Like that's right. that's fine, <laughs> right? But John does make it back up there and, and tells Spider-Man like the chandelier. Check the chandelier, um, and he is correct. And uh, I, I said I wouldn't mention all of the examples, <laughs> but this is a big one, <laughs> where Spider-Man manages to grab the bomb, and then guess what he does with it? He slingshots it away, because that is a good skill that he should use all the time. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> a theater would still be standing. <laughs> Maybe. Whoops. Yeah, but he he does manage to um, slingshot it away in time so that it doesn't detonate in the building. It detonates outside the building. So success.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of course, uh, Lincoln applauds Spider-Man for, you know, saving his life, basically. (laughs) Yes. And he's like, you know, I was going to pay you money to do that, Mm -hmm. that exact kind of stuff, but uh, you're just doing it for free. So, hey, that's cool. And he's like, that's what adults call irony. (laughs) Yes,
0: which I like.
2: Yep, big shit. Also,
0: this is another one of those instances, though, where I do believe, I don't know why I feel so much like I need to justify (laughs) what my (laughs) thought process was, but I do think this is another one of those instances where Lincoln refers to the big man in the third person, Mm -hmm. where he says, like, you did the big man's bidding. Um, And he does that so many times that I was so convinced,
2: (laughs) so convinced that he wasn't the big man.
0: But uh, anyway,
2: that's that's actually, that's so funny. I think that's a testament to the writing on this show that you can always, you can always be questioning and pulling those kinds of things from us.
0: And technically, even still, I'm not sure, (laughs) but maybe because I thought I was like, I don't know, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) holding on to hope, even though I know I shouldn't have it (laughs) It's right in front of me and I should just accept it.
2: We could also, we could also all be playing you right now. So that's true. Who knows? (laughs) It's true.
0: And if you are mad props, I will say, like, um, I definitely can – I don't know if empathize is the right word, but relate to the experience that you are currently having. Because Mm -hmm. when people watch Survivor, I know all the details. Like, that is just ingrained in my brain. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to spoil things. So when people are watching stuff and then they're like, oh, I just finished episode three. I'm like, cool, what did you just see? And then I have to, like, calibrate all of my responses to make sure that, like, when they're like, oh, my gosh, I just love – Gary and I I happen to know three episodes from now Gary goes on like a tirade or something like it's so fun and so I get it I get it I can't imagine yeah. how many things you've had to just be like well I'm not gonna
2: confirm that right 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 it's fun I've had fun I've had a lot of fun with it especially I think this because in this show has been pretty good about throwing curveballs so yeah. it's like yeah so it's, it's all really it's all really justified hearing your theories and stuff yeah <laughs> I'm excited about how it is going forward too. Uh, <laughs> well, on the street outside the building, um Jonah, who was who was like very exhausted going up and down the stairs <laughs> which is really funny. He begins to, you know, craft his usual anti-spidey headline, but uh but John's like, I can't if you say that I was the hero of the story, that could kind of that that could scrub me from the mission because I, I I'm not exactly quite sure why. I guess just because he if he's been in like potentially traumatic circumstances, or yeah. or, or the fact that he was shot, maybe yeah. like he wants to cover that up, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think it could either be the fact that he's shot, and he he's an honest guy, so he would have to mention it, or. Although I guess I don't know, he would mention it anyway. But maybe it's a profile thing, like he's too high profile or a public figure, or yeah. it would complicate his sketch. I don't know. I have no idea.
2: Yeah, basically, he doesn't want to be mentioned as part of the story, so Jonah has like no choice but to, you know, basically, uh, basically say that you know Spider Man was the hero. Oh shucks! Like, oh, Spider mans the hero. Just, just say the Spider Man saved us. Just say it. Yeah. Just print it. Whatever. Ah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but he's like, well. I'll print the story, but at least, you know, we didn't get any good pictures. You know, that that Parker never showed up. Um, <laughs> but he's thwarted once again because uh, Robbie lets him know that mm, he already got an email and it's full <laughs> of pictures,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: which is great. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: I have no idea when Peter sent those. but I know,
2: right? <laughs> I guess he has data on his phone to oh. – I... <laughs> How did he upload them from his digital camera in 2008, you, though? <laughs> yeah,
0: do you want to know the nerdiness that I went to? Oh, I looked please. up what the best-selling phones of 2008 were. Okay. <laughs> and they were the Razer, the Crazer, oh, and the Chocolate. I
2: had the Razer and a Crazer.
0: And the iPhone was not even close because the iPhone wasn't even out for a year. <laughs> and I don't think the iPhone was even out when they made the show.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. Oh, that's funny. So he had to, like... Find a computer somewhere to upload them. Mm-hmm. Sure, Peter.
0: I mean, sure. it's a huge building. Maybe he broke into an office somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. Huh.
2: Plot hole.
0: Oh, my gosh. This show. <laughs> Swiss really. cheese, I tell you.
2: <laughs> um, well, we're, we're wrapping up the episode. Peter returns to the formal. Of course, outside, Sally is chastising Glory for dumping Harry. She didn't really dump him, I guess. Oh, she my just gosh. Like, but you know, she basically dumped him. Basically, yeah. you know, dumping him before they could take advantage of his limo and after party and everything. Uh-huh. So uh, it was a dumb move, Glory. Like what? The, what? What the hell are you doing? Um,
0: <laughs> well, okay, it's a dumb move, but not for that reason.
2: <laughs> I mean, for, it's a dumb move for many reasons. <laughs> yes,
0: I guess this. As long as, as long as there are dumb moves, like we could put this in there. I suppose. Like <laughs> to
2: be fair, it, it would be dumb to dump to like. Break up with with the person that's your ride home, you know. Like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you could wait until the next day. Yeah. Um. There's there's yeah.
0: logistical reasons that it was a dumb move, and then there's emotional reasons that it's a dumb South uh-huh. Preservatory because Kenny's an <laughs> asshole. You
2: know. <laughs> yes, Just he is. Dumb move all around. Yes, he is. But um. But yeah, there's no limo there because Harry ran off and. Flash even wonders aloud where he could have went because he just disappeared. Um, and of course, we see just around the corner he is second down yet another vial of the globulin green before yes. smashing it on the smashing it on the sidewalk, which is a hazard, dude. Come yes, on, and dogs are walking there.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Anything could could sip up the drops. <laughs> yeah. I will say now that we're at this point, I do not believe that that Harry is the Green Goblin. <laughs> Sure. Because I think, I feel too strongly like I was being led somewhere. And I do think the show is capable of really, really playing the meta to a number of levels. So it's entirely possible that they know what I'm expecting. Mm -hmm. They know that I know that they know what I'm expecting. You know, like, (laughs) I do think that they could play it to that many levels. um, But I don't know what the reason would be be yet so even though he's acting and i think it's it's almost because there are so many clues that i'm suspicious do you know what i mean he's been acting weird for a long time we you know have seen certain types of interactions with norman and otto and the way that they talk about tech and development and all that sort of stuff and then the fact that we so directly saw Harry sucking down those vials. I don't know where he went, but I don't think he was Goblin. So I'm very ready to be super duper fucking wrong, (laughs) but I don't think I am.
2: The Goblin's Gwen. She wanted revenge for being forgotten. I mean, where did she go off to? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) And I believe Gwen, doesn't she have the little hair strands? And he has little little <gasps> things on his on his little hat. You know who like else? Hair
2: strands. You know who else has the hair strands? Aunt uh, May, evil
0: mastermind Aunt May. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. uh Oh, exactly. the clues are all there. The clues are all there. <laughs> yep. Well, inside we do see uh, Peter sees that Mary Jane is dancing with another student. I think she's. I think it's Hobie that she's dancing with.
0: Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's I funny. believe it
2: is. Yeah, I
0: like that Mary Jane, in Peter's absence, just was like, "Let's see how many of these guys I can dance with."
2: <laughs> I know, right? You know what she I would have really
0: liked, and I think maybe they would have done this now, but I, 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 I would be having maybe a little too much hope for 2008 yeah i wish that we had continued to see her dancing with different students and that at least one of them was one of the girl students that we know because that would have just been so funny if she was just like i'm just gonna dance with literally everybody here
2: (laughs) yeah yeah that would be hilarious
0: because my date's gone
2: (laughs) yeah and i like that they've taken you know the the typical comic mary jane archetype of being like She's a party girl, yeah. like a party girl with hidden depths who's actually smart. And I think they've sort of she, they've downplayed it and, and sort of taken it to a different level where it's sort of the same idea where it's just like it's, she's not a quote unquote party girl. She's just a very, very social creature and yeah. a, like thrives in social environments mm-hmm. in the same way. So, yeah. So she's like, I'm fine with being alone at a dance. I'll just dance with everybody because it's yeah. fun.
0: If you come back, great. I'll hang out with you. If you don't, I'll hang out with other people. Right, like, right. My feelings yeah. aren't hurt.
2: <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think that's a really, I think it's a really cool take on her that still feels kind of pretty quintessential Mary Jane in a way mm-hmm. that she often isn't isn't handled. Yeah, and of course, uh, Peter, but Peter shows up. He sees it. He thinks he blew it, figuring that if she's dancing with somebody else. That means she like hates him or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but she overhears it, and she's just like, "No, nah, dude, I saved the last dance for you, like I promised." Yeah. And they get to have a nice little dance together at the end, and under the awesome
0: spider nice. signal spotlight
2: oh at least it doesn't turn into a shape this time
0: yeah i was wondering what it could possibly turn into since they already did a heart i was yeah. like "Hmm, what could it be and it turns it into anything
2: it turns into the letters m and j oh gosh
0: it turns into a, a cup of punch <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't turn into anything and i'm nope i guess mildly grateful for that i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: small small wins it's cool yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah so, we do have a few faces of the episode for this one. I, I love the one that you picked out, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'll get. We'll get to that. Um, the, the the animation in this episode and like the the designs for them, they they feel like extra fluid to me. Like they yes. almost felt very. They felt very Disney to me, like Disney movie. This episode in particular has a lot of like a lot of exaggerated facial expressions. They do a lot more with the squash and stretch. I think. Mm -hmm. But it's really good. But as a result, we get some pretty cool faces. In the opening scene... the opening like in media in midius rest scene with uh the goblin and fighting at the gala um there's a point when he smashes i don't know it's a cake or something like that <laughs> and jonah just gets covered in just like chocolate brown goop <laughs> yep. and his face is great his john's face staring out of his great the lady in the background just like <laughs> utterly horrified it, it horrified yeah. by it is great the lady
0: in the background really does it for me
2: that's what makes it yeah. so
0: good <laughs> <laughs> just gasping like oh my gosh
2: yes yes and jonah's just so mad about it as as per usual
0: (laughs) oh yeah he looks very defeated almost in this in this moment (laughs) it's just like oh, yeah (laughs) it's great
2: (laughs) um the other face i picked out was uh the moment that um mj shows up in the popular kids all notice her i don't know man it's just like the collection of all of their like shocked faces mm-hmm. it's just uh it's just good it's just really good because they're almost like some of them are like like liz is almost kind of like angry horrified at it and it yeah and they're co- like the way that they're all framed together and like posed together it's just like they're not in a straight line or anything some of them are right. like half covered it's, it's just well like composed a, it's very well composed yeah it's just good <laughs>
0: yeah it's a good it's a good reaction <laughs> yeah and then one that I could not believe <laughs> you didn't grab. Uh, I'm mad that I didn't. Because the moment so I saw good. it, I was like, this is my favorite thing ever.
2: It's so good.
0: <laughs> the moment when Spider-Man jumps onto the glider, I have no <laughs> idea why they did this, but I'm so <laughs> grateful that they did. He jumps onto the glider. It's a very small space. The only way that he's able to hang on is by basically like by like hugging <laughs> Goblin from behind. <laughs> So it's almost like a piggyback ride, but he's, like, standing on the glider, too. And for some reason, (laughs) they animate Spider-Man's face in, like, pure joy mode. (laughs) Like, like he's wearing a mask, so they don't have to give him an expression, but they give him absolute glee. And then (laughs) at one point in this moment, Goblin, like, looks back at Spider-Man and then also, like, shares in the moment of glee. Like, they're just living... (laughs) their best life flying together on a glider Like it's so good it. it's so good <laughs> it's much much <sighs> better than the weird like uh kanye kim moment from <sighs> <laughs> amazing friends yes <laughs> that was awkward this is beautiful
2: it's the, it's the same energy as uh, Spidey, like, like basically hugging Shocker from behind. I yes. <laughs> uh, yes. want a collection of all these, like, Spidey hugging his villains and all yes. of them finding, like, joy. I will find them all. <laughs> uh, it's no, funny, so too,
0: because Shocker, like, did, like, an eyebrow raise. Like, what are you doing? Goblin <laughs> just is, like, loving it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love it so much.
2: Man. Man, so we know the show's great. What What is your feelings on this episode or these episodes together? These
0: two episodes I really, really, really liked. Um, you know, we, we sort of uh, developed this idea in the last episode that a good way to describe our feelings are, you know, how much did you enjoy what was going on in the background? How much did you enjoy what was going on in the foreground? I do think that these two episodes... Are more foreground heavy, but there is like a really strong development, obviously, in the background that then comes into the foreground with the realization of who Tombstone is and what it means for um, Spider Man's sort of like grander fight against crime. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we get two solid, sort of fun villain stories. One of them we get from beginning to end with the rhino, and the other one we get the complete opposite, where we get nothing as far as exposition and nothing as far as resolution, but plenty. Of fun along the way, so Mm -hmm. as as far as a pairing goes, it was a lot of fun from start to finish, and still managed to push things forward and plant plenty of seeds, and really just satisfy kind of all the things that this show has told us it can give us in a Mm -hmm. way that I think maybe the two in our last episode didn't fully commit to.
2: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I like them. I think this is these are great episodes. I think that this arc that we're in now is really is is really solid, and I'm excited for uh, for what's coming next.
0: <laughs> I'm excited because you are excited for me to be excited. <laughs>
2: like it's,
0: it's working. <laughs> You've decided yes. I should be excited, and therefore yes. I am.
2: <laughs> yes, Oh, man. Really, like uh, we're like at the we're we're at the halfway point of the season, roughly, and yes. the whole end run to the end of the season is, is, is Mm -hmm. so good. And oh man, I'm going to be, mm, I'm going to be sad when we're done with this show. (laughs) Oh, for real.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm growing very, very quickly attached to this one. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really, really enjoying really enjoying watching this one and talking about this one and you know before we get to where you can find us and where you can find our podcast and whatnot Mm -hmm. sort of in that spirit I do just want to pitch like hey you've been listening to us for almost three hours at this point we love what we're doing I'm guessing that if you made it to this point you love what we're doing and we'd really love to do more of it so if you like what we're doing go check out our patreon see what type of stuff we've got on there and if you like what we're doing, throw us a buck, throw us a couple bucks, you know, throw us whatever you feel makes sense. And um, of course, as a thank you, you get perks out of that. So if you love what we're doing, show it however you want. We'd love it if that was through Patreon. And uh, we will we will reward you, obviously, through, through many, many means. Um, there are lots of things we'd love to do. And uh, knowing that we have the full support of a lot of folks would help us uh, to do those things. So if you like what we're doing... If you've made it three hours into a podcast, at least consider it.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, and you know what? At, at, at one of our higher levels, we've got these commentary episodes that we're doing. We've got two mm-hmm. out now. One on Robocop, the animated series. One on Muppet Babies. Um, I imagine probably by the time this one comes out, or if not very shortly after it, we'll have our Spider Woman commentary out. Yep, yep. So, I mean, there's there's already some content on there that you can check out that no one else outside of Patreon has seen or listen to i guess yeah um well. and there will only be more to come as we get more patrons so yeah, yeah that'll be great that exactly be
0: great. yeah we're gonna do this no matter what and uh if we get support that's you know we obviously want to recognize that support so
2: thanks cool, um cool, cool
0: in the meantime where can people find more of your thoughts and more of your creations
2: absolutely i am on twitter at Derek b gale um i am also on youtube at second chance the show's on hiatus right now but there's A handful episodes up there right now it's a video essay series looking at media generally deemed divisive or bad but looking at it with a positive lens um through like research and critical theory and stuff like that trying to pull out what's good and why people like them where can we find you doug
0: You can typically find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And you can also find me on a podcast called Victory Road, which is a Pokemon podcast here on the Four Eyed Radio Network. We are ramping up, getting closer and closer and closer to a new game release. Um, And with that comes lots of news. So check that out. See what we have to think about that. And if you are interested in following more of our podcast on all kinds of platforms, you're in luck, because we're on a bunch of platforms. (laughs) So... Check us out on Twitter, check us out on Instagram and Facebook, especially if you would like to see those faces of the episodes that we talk about. You can find us at Walloping Web Pod for all of those platforms. If you'd like to email us your own uh, faces of the episodes or creations or suggestions or feedback even, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. We would love if you could rate, review, and subscribe us. It helps other fans of Spider-Man discover our content. And, again, if you decide that you want to support us even further uh, you can check out our patreon by going to patreon.com slash walloping web snappers for all kinds of cool stuff next time i am very excited because derek is very excited for me to be excited <laughs> to discuss the episode's reaction and the uncertainty principle <laughs> see you then see ya. bye bye Whereas, like, how did a night that start – how did I type this incorrectly? How to a night that's what? How did a
2: – Yeah, that makes sense. How did a night that started out so sweet? Yeah, that makes oh sense. Oh, my
0: God. That's so weird. Okay. How did <laughs> night that started out so sweet go south so fast?